0: Big dumb movie is a comedic podcast that often contains obscene language and outlandish commentary. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Hello and welcome to Big Dumb Movie, where we discuss movies of the big dumb variety. I'm your host Corey, and I'm joined today by Steve, Milo, mm, <laughs> and brother Josh. Yes. Hello, hiya. That's the enthusiasm I like to hear. (laughs) We are gathered here today to discuss the one and only Star Wars. Star Wars. And this is actually requested by a listener named Andrew Brady. I don't remember where, this was back before I used to note down such things, but he once communicated with us that he would like us to review Star Wars movies, of which there are many, and uh, today... We're doing it. So thank you, Andrew.
2: Can I poke in here, Corey? Absolutely. Because you've told me things like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. You're always really nervous to do on your own pod. So I just wanted to congratulate you on kind of getting over that.
1: You know what? As the years have gone on, I've become uh, more <laughs> accepting of these major motion pictures <laughs> that I grew up on, and uh, I think one day we'll even be able to do other Star Wars movies here as well. Awesome. But let's talk about Star Wars. Steve, yeah. what can you tell me about Star Wars?
3: I love Star Wars. I love Star Wars. i love Star Wars for as far back as I can remember. I can't remember being conscious and not being aware of at least something Star Wars related. I think as a little kid, the first Star Wars stuff I actually ever saw was was the Ewok movies, like when I was five or six. Before I'd seen Episode Four, because they were on TV occasionally when I was when I was a little kid. So that's actually what got me going. And then when my mother realized I liked it, she's like, "Let me show you this other thing." <laughs> so an Ewok movie fan, huh? I, I there's a. They have a special part of my heart. My One of my deep, dark, mostly unspoken secrets is that I don't actually hate the Ewok movies. I don't love them. They're not, like, you know, <laughs> OT level, but I, I never really despise those. I, and I think part of it is just because my first encounter with them was as, like, a five- or six-year-old. And as a five-year-old in the mid or late 80s, I was like, this is fun. I like this. But I had no context to what I was watching. Interesting. Yeah.
1: I'm very surprised at that, Steve, because I feel like those are something you would hate. There's but-
3: very little within the Star Wars universe that I hate.
1: Okay, like truly hate on a visceral level.
3: That, exactly. There's a lot of Star Wars that I don't like very much, but there's almost no Star Wars that I I really viscerally like like hate.
1: Are there any characters?
3: Yeah, I can think of a few. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, from the extended universe.
1: (sighs) Brother Josh, tell me about Star Wars, man.
2: Just from a small kid, I liked Luke Skywalker a lot. He's just a hero of mine when I was a kid.
0: It just isn't fair. Oh, Biggs is right. I'm never going to get out of here.
2: I realize maybe childhood heroes don't always age well, so... I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out the whole Ryan Johnson thing with that. Whatever. Luke will probably come back to life anyway
1: in, in Disney Star Wars. I see. So you're disappointed in the Luke Skywalker legacy. I was wondering if it would come no. to this, Josh. <laughs> no, I don't think so.
3: I'm, that's not what I said at all. <laughs> I can understand being conflicted about it without necessarily outright disliking it. It's
2: ongoing, though, right? Yeah. Can we all agree
3: with that? Yeah.
2: Yes.
1: I mean, we just got new Luke Skywalker weeks ago.
2: I have really other early memories of Star Wars. Um so funny Steve mentioned Ewoks because I remember <laughs> specifically this one weekend me and my friend ate a whole pizza while watching Ewoks. Right. And we we like, were like, "Oh, it's this new Star Wars we hadn't seen yet." So
3: <laughs> That's funny. So you were already conscious of other Star Wars stuff when you first saw the Ewoks? Yes. Right. Yeah.
2: So that wasn't my entry point. We're a little older. It'd probably been out for a few years easily by then, right? But we just like discovered it, and we didn't just like Google, "What is this? Is this movie good?" I don't think Rotten Tomatoes was around then.
1: So we we went into Ewoks with high expectations. Dude, I know what you mean because I remember being a kid in, at Blockbuster or whatever local video store it may be, and you see a a franchise movie like batman 66 (laughs) and i was a big fan of the tim burton batmans right so i'm like oh my god there's another batman movie that i didn't know about (laughs) so i would rent it and you know as a dumbass little kid i was like yeah it was pretty good i guess like (laughs) even though it was so different in every way and it was i don't want to say it's bad because it is what it is batman 66 has its own thing going on i don't want to just call it bad outright but yeah it was definitely nothing like what I considered to be the source material, even though it came before, right? My source yeah. material was the
3: Burton movies. Yeah, even as a kid, I couldn't sit through the Adam West Batman. I don't mean that as a knock of Adam West. He seems like a really cool guy. But yeah, I just, I'd never held my attention.
1: But yeah, finding these like semi like disconnected pieces of media that tie into this thing you like, like finding the Ewok movies and being like, oh, more Star Wars? How come no one talks about this? You know, <laughs> that's a, that's a feeling.
2: With my friend Drew, that was one of my first experiences at 11 or 12, like, watching a movie sarcastically with a friend. Mm-hmm. Like, we identified in the first 10 minutes it was shite. So the rest of the movie were like, the pizza's the best thing about this room right now. Let's just mm-hmm. hang out and make fun of
3: this movie.
2: And it was a great time.
3: I think sometimes that's enough. You know, I think I, I even if it's in a sort of derisive way, I think if you can enjoy yourself in that manner while watching the movie, there was at least something about the transaction that was successful, you know? Volcano's Pizza, Elkhart, Indiana. Oh my God, that sounds fantastic. (laughs) I want to go to Elkhart, Indiana right now just to enjoy this pizza place. It made the Ewoks good. That's how
2: good pizza this is.
3: (laughs) It sounds good. Man.
1: I just want to also say that my introduction to Star Wars was in the 90s. When the special editions came out. And oh, they, really? They came to theaters.
3: Okay, yeah, yeah, because for me part of it was I saw the Ewok movies on cable television, like Showtime or HBO or something, and in, in, it must have been 1986 or 87. And uh, it had been a little while at that point, a few years at least, since the last time the movies had been in theaters, and I'd been too little when it had happened to go see them. So that was the thing for me, and I, I hadn't seen the OT films at all. So at that age, I was like, oh, this, this is kind of neat. And then I fell in love with the OT films. My mother rented four for me on VHS, and that was like, all right, we're we're good. <laughs> we're good. We're we're grown from here. And I, I got to see them. They did a re-release, I think it was in 93. I'd gotten to see them in theaters in 93. So when they came out in 97, it was my second opportunity to see them in theaters, which was... That was... That was gigantic. I was so excited. I, I showed you my my brother, my mom, and I actually ended up in a TV commercial for for the '97 episode special <laughs> editions, and we ended up in two or three different versions. There's one version where it's just my mom, and another version that I think I'm in, and it was it was all because we we my mother almost had to sneak us in. It was great. We got into a pre-release screening of four of like like three weeks before it came out. It must have been the end of December in '96.
1: <laughs> it was great. Yeah, I remember you sent me that video. Your mom's like, it's mind-blowing or whatever.
3: Yeah, everyone should see it or something. Oh, yeah. And my brother's staring off into the distance at something.
0: I'm here at a sneak preview for Star Wars, The special edition. Let's check out the crowd. I want my star. How many
4: times have you seen this movie? About 40? Luke, I am your father. How do you feel about singing on a big screen? I want it! I can't wait
0: to see it on the big screen
4: because
0: I've never seen it before. We're going in! <laughs> I lost my voice in there. What'd you think? Everything that I wanted Time's time Star Wars, the special edition. PG, back on the big screen, Friday.
1: <laughs> but those special editions were a big deal, and they were like... Gigantic. They were marketed in a big way, rightfully yeah. so, because Lucas had like... What you know? What he said? He improved things. He added things that were originally intended to be there.
3: Don't use the word improved.
1: I, I think I, I'm just saying what he would say. All, all right? right, it's not my opinion. <laughs> but you know, they added obviously the CGI creatures, and you know, there's some extras here and there. There's some improved special effects, in my opinion. Not everything is improved, Steve, but I do think some of the effect shots. I know there's one big shot that I
3: love that you're not a fan of when the X-Wings are coming up to the Death Star. I love the intent of that shot, and I like the framing of it, but I don't like the way it looks. It just looks too much like 1997 CG slotted into a movie from the 70s for me. I wish they had done it in practicals. If he was going to add stuff, I wish he'd just done it in practicals to match the rest of the movie, and of course he's never going to do that the moment it became possible to do anything digitally, he's like, we never need to touch a real thing ever again.
1: (laughs) We never need to touch a real thing.
3: The only real thing anyone's going to touch here is the keyboard. Yeah. He does it all over zoom now,
1: (laughs) (laughs) but I was going to say that with the special editions that my father took me to go see them. And separately, my grandfather took me to go see them. So I got to see the original trilogy in theaters twice you know, so I got to really like sink it in and like understand what's going on because I saw them on multiple viewings, and uh, that was a great experience. That's a great memory and a great introduction to Star Wars for me, is seeing them the proper way.
3: Do you remember the original ad that came out before they were released? It was a started off with a picture of a, a television set, and the camera would pan started panning back, and the TV turns on, and there's a snippet of the. Death Star battle from the end of 4 playing and when the voice comes in it starts off saying something like for an entire generation this has been the only way to watch Star Wars and there's this moment where the the image then explodes off the TV screen into the full full width of the, the movie theater screen and they ran this ad on TV too but I have no memory of what we were actually seeing but I saw that, that trailer in a movie theater like in November, October or November of 96 in the lead up to them coming out. And that was me. That was us. Right. Like a lot of us anyway, like, well, I'd seen the movies once before on a big screen in 93, but that had been it. So like seeing that ad was, that was one of my almost shit my pants in a movie theater moments. I was like, (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. Thank you.
1: (laughs) It was a big deal. And I remember later in that ad, or maybe it was a different ad Where the Death Star blows up, and it shows an auditorium full of fans, and they all cheer. Yeah. And I remember wondering if that was going to happen. Is everyone going
3: to cheer at that moment? That footage was from one of the pre-release screenings. It could have been from the one I was in. Um, Because they they had TV crews. It wasn't just here. It was like at two dozen theaters across the country. They had uh, camera crews show up and record audiences going in and out of the theaters and during the showings to get all that footage. And then it went into the TV commercials. And yeah, a group of people went crazy for ours. It was great.
1: (laughs) Brother Josh, do you recall the even bigger hype For the Phantom Menace back in the 90s. Those trailers, dude. Yeah,
2: and interestingly, basketball and, like, baseball cards have recently gone up in value. And so I had a couple that I, like, pulled out. And in amongst those was, like, my Phantom Menace ticket. Which I didn't even know I kept tickets. So that was cool to see.
1: You kept your ticket for 1999, the Phantom Menace release? Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome.
2: (laughs) So, that's around here, and yeah, I remember it heavily, and had the Pepsi cans, tried to get all the Pepsi cans with all the faces on them.
3: With Anakin's little face in the pod racing helmet. Yeah. and That's what I was going to say. That, to me,
2: (laughs) is the marquee image of the marketing. It's Anakin's round head in a rounder helmet (laughs) on a round can. (laughs)
3: 100%, yes. that, That image of his face is the equivalent of Yoda's head in the marketing for Jedi, like absolutely
1: I don't I have a big impression of Darth Maul. Yeah. So Darth Maul is the thing that stuck with me more than anything. And I think there was a Taco Bell cross promotion. There was. Because I went to Taco Bell every day cuz my dad <laughs> never cooked a meal for me once. So <laughs> Damn, sounds like a father. <laughs> oh shit. Right? So I remember seeing this Darth Maul dude, like his face, and I was like, "Holy shit. Yeah. Dude, this villain Is gonna be fucking crazy, like Corey. Do you remember the flat head esque, like
2: sticky things that, like plastic things they had on the windows of the different characters for that in Pizza Hut?
1: Yeah, the decals.
2: I stole the Yoda one. That's like the worst (gasps) thing I've ever done in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Oh.
3: I mean, I, I'm with you. Like, I would spend the rest of my life feeling a little kernel of guilt for having done it just because I would know I, like, shouldn't have. But at the same time, like, if you're going to have to live with guilt over taking something, that's that's kind of worth it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you did the right thing. Yeah, it tore off when my mom took it out of my childhood room,
3: like, ten years back. It, like, tore. It was, so. it was a promo for episode one, Josh? Yeah. Dude, it might have been Puppet Yoda head. Oh yeah! Because when Episode One came out, it had Yoda, yes. puppet Yoda, puppet Yoda, and they replaced him later on for home video. So that really? could have been really valuable. Yeah, when they shot Episode One, I guess for anyone that doesn't know this, they decided to use a, a an actual practical puppet of Yoda because they thought it would do, be better for visual continuity with the older films. And they would have been right, except it's the worst looking Yoda puppet in history. Oh, my God. This is the regret. This is karma
2: coming back because it's got I'm calling my mom yelling at her. What's happening?
3: (laughs) Right. It looks like I mean, it looks like something a high school props class would have put together while they were learning. It doesn't look anything like Yoda from from the other films. I mean, I guess he's supposed to be way younger, but even still. And uh, the backlash to it was so strong that when episode one went to home video, Lucasfilm matted over the puppet with a new CG Yoda, <laughs> and the the only the only two versions on home video that had the puppet were the original VHS, which was swiftly discontinued and replaced with one that had the CG Yoda, and a laser disc that only came out in Japan. So the laser disc has the uh, the puppet Yoda on it.
1: So I always assumed that the reason Puppet Yoda was replaced is because of Prequel continuity Because in Attack of the Clones He had the big fight And he had to be CG For the big fight Yeah So I, they, they Were gonna make him CG Probably in the rest Of the movie as well So he doesn't just Switch off real quick At heard, one crucial point In the movie So I assume They backtracked And they said Well he should be CGI In the previous movie as well huh. I heard that
3: was part of it as well That they just They couldn't do some of that Other stuff without it, it was Typical of Lucas Like wasn't thinking ahead And then after the fact Was like I'll fix it with a computer But uh, yeah, (laughs) what a random access
2: memory. Corey mentioning Star Wars and Pizza Hut in the 90s, and it just flicked back
1: in there. Like, wow. Wow. The human brain's a funny thing. So I guess I should say that uh, before we start talking about the movie itself, uh, The Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. Just as a side note, also, <laughs> yeah. this episode is sponsored
3: by General Motors. Oh, we're preempting Wonder Woman as well. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> as long as we're going to mention the terrible 1970s television show, we may as well <laughs> mention both terrible 1970s television shows. This episode is also sponsored by
1: General Motors, Steve. <laughs> people building transportation to serve people. Sponsored by General Motors.
0: People building transportation to serve people.
2: Coming out of W-H-I-O,
3: Dayton, Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) I was required to read those things. The late 70s (laughs) definitely being regarded as a high point for American automobiles. Really quick,
2: Corey, before you get into it. One thing that struck me, this is one of my only notes for tonight, is like Star Wars is... I feel like people kind of see it as like a 70s thing. But Empire and Jedi and all the rest came out in the 80s 80s. and beyond. So this... What we're about to talk about is, like, actual 70s Star Wars, and that's interesting,
1: right? Yeah, this is legit stuff here. But it's not just called Star Wars, Josh. It has a subtitle, you could say, or the full title, I guess. Every Star Wars movie has some extra text to the name. You know, none of them are just Star Wars. This one is called The Star Wars Holiday Special.
0: The Star Wars Holiday Special. Starring Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. With Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca. R2-D2 as R2-D2. James Earl Jones as the voice of Darth Vader. Introducing Chewbacca's family. His wife, Mala. His father, Itchy. His son, Lumpy. With special guest stars. Beatrice Arthur. Art Carney. Diane Carroll. The Jefferson Starship. Harvey Corman, And an animated Star Wars story on the Star Wars Holiday Special.
3: Alternately known as Luke Skywalker's Adventures in Assisted Suicide. Oh my
1: gosh. <laughs> that was the working title. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what they
3: shot it under. <laughs> That's what the yellow sign said. And they put them up. Right? So now we can stop pretending that we're talking about a Star Wars product that anybody likes. <laughs> oh, God. This is really what a piece of shit. To answer your question, now that we've had the full reveal, There is only one part of the Star Wars universe, one, one piece among all of it that I actually hate, and this is it. (laughs) This is the one. I've talked a lot of shit about the prequels over the years. There's a lot about them I'm unhappy about. That's fine. I know the new ones are contentious. There are things about them I might pick on, but like, this is garbage and I hate it. (laughs) I hate everything about it. I think it's pretty good. Oh, I knew you'd say something like that. No, I don't. I don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is
2: my first time I've ever seen it. And I wish someone had explained to me the basic setup of the movie. Can I do that really quick, Corey? That's exactly what I was going to ask you to do, Josh. Please. <laughs> really? Basic. <laughs> yes. This is so, a basic,
3: good <laughs> type movie.
2: This is the story of a Wookiee family <laughs> waiting at home. For their soldier to come home from battle. And it's intermixed with, like, eight seventies variety <laughs> sketches. <laughs> That's it. That's what I got.
1: <laughs> yes, the Wookiee family. We're, we're, of course, talking about the most famous Wookiee. Black Chrysanthemum. No, it's just... Chewbacca's family. (laughs) It's funny that, you know, you realize when you're watching this, Chewbacca is probably the most handsome Wookiee that ever lived. The the
3: kid, (laughs) Chewbacca's kid, whose name is, I think, Lumpy? Yeah. Lumpy. Fucking Lumpy (laughs) is the worst looking Star Wars costume in the history of Star Wars production. The face on that thing is so weird. There's a moment where he's watching like holographic dancers on a little table game thing and it's... It is scary. That is nightmare material, the close-ups on that weird-looking face. I don't understand why there aren't more memes of that. I'm going to start making memes of that. (laughs) The
2: worst or best part, though, is his grandpa, who's named Itchy, his mouth.
3: His mouth. What does it do? It's on a whole separate robotic thing lever. (laughs) I mean, if anything was going to tell you, like, right up front, here's your indication that what you're about to watch is garbage. (laughs) The two two of the main characters here who we're going to spend the larger percentage of this, this time with are named Lumpy and Itchy. That's what you're getting. Corey, in the
2: writing room, Chewbacca, they took about an hour to think of his name. His wife, Mala, or whatever, it took about what? 10 or 12 minutes. Lumpy, yeah. Itchy, first ideas come out of the mouth, slapped to yes. the wall. <laughs>
3: I like. I feel like that was either like tired production people not caring, or a first suggestion that somehow never got changed. Like they're in the writers' room and they're having difficulty coming up with names, and somebody's like, "You know what? Let's just call them Itchy and Lumpy for the time being, and we'll work it out once we've got all the dialogue written." And never it just worked never, it out. <laughs> exactly. Everyone else is like, "You know what? At this point, we're just leaving it the way it is: Itchy and Lumpy." <laughs>
2: this thing's a piece of shit anyway
1: itchy and lumpy let's be self-aware about this they looked around the room one guy was scratching himself another guy had a tumor
3: i mean one of the writers on this (laughs) one of the writers on this was bruce valanche that poor entertaining old soul and valanche has said before that he was just doing a tremendous amount of cocaine just just massive, massive <laughs> quantities of cocaine. And I imagine that everyone else was too.
1: How come every time someone makes a bad movie they blame the cocaine? Maybe <laughs> you're the problem here, guy.
3: Right? Well yeah, look, cocaine does not make people um better creatively. I don't know, man. I feel like I've had
1: some <laughs> a- well another
3: time. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, no, let me yeah, let me rephrase. Cocaine does not make people better creatively if they weren't capable of doing something generally well to begin with. It's not gonna make somebody it's not gonna make complete garbage any better. It can just make Stephen King's brain run for like eight hours
2: longer, eighteen hours longer than it should per night or something. Oh, it's funny
1: you King. mentioned drugs because like in during the intro we see like the title cards and it says featuring Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker and it like goes through him. And Carrie Fisher looks like she's on pills,
3: dude. Yeah she, I mean in all RIP all due respect. She was an amazing human being, but more than likely, anyone who knows about her history she probably was. Yeah. I mean, she was probably real fucked up.
2: Did you breeze what? over Luke though? I literally googled Luke Skywalker and holiday special to see if that was actually Mark Hamill.
3: Thank you. And apparently this was so close to the car accident That they had, like, three inches of makeup on his face, and it does not look like him.
2: He looks worse than the Uncanny
3: Valley from the new Boba Fett series. Right? Easily. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, not only had he just recently had cosmetic reconstructive surgery, but between that and the makeup and the weird lighting, it was like, that's not Mark Hamill. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. That was so (laughs) weird.
1: Well, let's let's go. Let's backtrack a little bit. I want to do this proper, just like we do on Big Dumb Movie every time, right? So, Chewbacca is trying to get home for basically Wookie Christmas. It's called Life Day. He's with Han Solo. Steve, what 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 don't you like about them flying around the Millennium Falcon? It's action packed. That's it. I'm turning back.
3: <laughs>
1: I know your family's waiting.
0: <laughs>
3: I know it's an important day.
0: Alright, All right, we'll give it a try. I'll set short coordinates. You won't jump far. I'll get you back there in time, pal. Trust me. Our only hope now is I'll run that Imperial Garbage Scout, though. I'm going to light speed. That's the spirit. You'll be celebrating life day before you know it. Stand by. Here's me we say goodbye to our unpleasant friends.
3: Yeah, for the whole six minutes, you actually see the two of them on the ship throughout the whole production of this. I, the, the just the whole setup is ridiculous. They've got to get through some kind of blockade for Life Day. Why was I, I thought None of the setup makes. George sense. Lucas is like a blockade. I could use this. Well, well okay, so <laughs> we didn't talk about the background, but like real quick, nobody really wants to take responsibility for this, Lucas included. And and different sources blame him more than others. But, like, there's one dude who was a producer. He was the head of Star Wars marketing for Lucasfilm. This dude, Charles Lipcott. He swears to God that CBS approached them and, were, and and said, you know, we want to do a TV special with the characters and that Lucas agreed to it. But Mark Hamill claimed at one point that the whole thing was Lucas's idea and that he wanted to keep merchandise sales going and oh, and, and keep the original movie in people's minds because he was in the middle of writing the scripts for Five and Six and and wanted to make sure that people would still be buying shit up, which I don't entirely disbelieve. Lucas never got credited on this, but, like, apparently... You know how we got... Um, we finally got Kishak. Uh, Kashyyyk? or Kashique.
1: Kazook, yeah. as they call yeah. it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the they say this. that.
3: They muck that up. <laughs> the rumor is Lucas wanted to to do the Wookiee home planet in in either five or six and ended up getting trimmed out of the story. And that even though Lucas has claimed over the years that this whole thing was CBS's idea and that he had nothing to do with it. There's also a rumor that Lucas was the one who pressed the whole idea of this taking place on the Wookiee home planet and that life day should be the center point. And even um, Bruce Valanche has said in interviews that, Immediately after he got hired, he went back to Lucas and the CBS people and was like, "We can't do this. Like two thirds of your dialogue is is free animal grunts with no subtitles. No one's <laughs> gonna want to watch it." And Lucas apparently wouldn't budge. So yeah. The, anyway, the whole thing's real, real bad. It, it and it just goes <laughs> back to Lucas's obsession with creatures. He I like on the one hand it's cool that he builds these worlds that are like these menageries of different creatures. And you get scenes like, you get scenes like C-3PO waking up on the Jawas barge and four and all the other robots that are milling around in there. And like, or, or when Luke and Obi-Wan and, and the droids first get to the cantina in Mos Eisley and you've got all the neat aliens milling around, like it's cool. You let Lucas do a little bit of that. It's cool. But like the moment he gets the opportunity, he's just like, I want as many creatures in this motherfucker as we can get. All <laughs> them. Oh, that's how the Ewoks came about in the first place. Like, just get as many of them in there as we can. And and he, this is him being like, yeah, it's got to be about the Wookies. Hmm. Fucking lumpy and itchy.
2: <laughs> the creature thing is such. I think there's such a steep drop off. It has to be done so well and be shown the perfect amount of frames for it to like yeah. be pulled off. And they clearly didn't spend like that kind of time with the holiday special,
4: <laughs> right?
1: Also, no. as a kind of a side note, for a long time, this was something that fans were aware of, but it wasn't really accessible, like pre-YouTube days, pre-prequel days even. Yeah. And I remember a lot of us used to call it the the Christmas special. Did you ever call it that, Steve? That's what, like, me and my friends just called it yeah, all I the think time.
3: It, at one point that I would have used that term, and then I was kind of pointed out it's the holiday special... But yeah, you know, it's weird, like neither Lucasfilm nor Fox ever wanted to make this available on home video and there was never a, a official release, but there were bootlegs and, and there's a rumor, I never saw one, I had to watch a bootleg of it in somebody's living room, but there's a rumor that for years Fox would let theater owners in small towns get away with just running bootlegs of it and that apparently when Disney bought them up, Disney is apparently... They didn't sue anybody, but I think made it clear right off the bat that, like, that shit's going to stop. Disney sues people. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about that for a second, too. Just real quick. Because
1: this movie, the Star Wars Holiday Special, and we're using the word movie loosely here. I'm sure we'll say it throughout. It's a TV movie. It's a special, whatever you want to call it. We're just going to say movie. But this was screened at the Library of Congress. Yeah Steve what does that mean exactly Does that mean it was inducted into the film registry
3: Yeah I, I, I believe the screening was part of the induction Yeah so the Library of Congress Which is supposed to be a catalog of like The, the most significant and important works of media and literature <laughs> Produced within the United States <laughs> has, got, has got this it's Like normally Normally saying that X movie is in the catalog At the Library of Congress Is like a huge huge deal that like they felt that this film needed to be archived, and and then but then the Star Wars holiday specials in there.
1: I have some vague memory <laughs> about like how that happened. I think it has to do with like basically pre-internet trolls, like yeah. voting or something. I don't
3: remember exactly. I don't want to misspeak. And they have made an argument, and I I think there's some legitimacy to it that like even if the content isn't necessarily good, that if the item itself is somehow culturally relevant or significant that that alone can merit merit inclusion and i guess in a sense this is but man that is real weird (laughs) why i'm pretty
1: sure and i i tried to source this and i couldn't find anything on it but i think i heard somewhere from someone (laughs) someone important uh i guess i'll just say who it is the person that runs the scum and villainy cantina I heard him on a podcast once, and I'm pretty sure it was him anyway, who said that when they screened this, they had to use a bootleg version. That even they could not get an official copy
3: that wasn't recorded off of a home TV screen. Yeah, they, they never allowed. Lucas disliked this so much after seeing it that he actually called the network and requested that they pull it from air before it. like Because of time zones, it aired in Canada first and then in the U.S. an hour later. And apparently, Lucas saw at least part of it at broadcast, and was so angry that he called the network and asked them to cancel some of the other broadcasts internationally before they they had a chance to even take place. Well, I know for sure it made and, it to Ohio. Yeah, no. Well, so in the U.S., it, right? In the U.S., it, it, it aired, but Lucas wanted them not to air it like in Europe and Asia where where it hadn't broadcast yet. Apparently, he called the network and was like, "I want you to pull it before it ever airs there."
1: Yeah, their and, lives are hard enough,
3: <laughs> right? And then and then yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't allow a home video release at all. In fact, um there's an animated segment we'll talk to you about when we get it, but there's an animated segment in this, and the animated segment is the only even today, is the only portion you can get on home video. Before the sequels came out, Fox did a a box set or complete set of the Star Wars films that had one through six in it, called the Complete Saga. And if you buy the whole set, you don't get it with the individual discs, but if you bought the whole set, one of the bonus discs has the animated segment from the holiday special in it. And that is the only component of the holiday special that you can actually officially buy on physical media.
1: It's also available on Disney Plus.
3: Yeah.
2: Oh. What do they do with the inner splice cut of Lumpy reacting negatively to Wookiee and Han almost being caught? Or Chewie and Han?
3: It's cut out. Yeah, yeah, Dang. it's just trimmed out. Yeah. Harsh. Right?
1: So, back into the Star Wars holiday special. We're on Kazook, Josh. We see the most beautiful matte painting I've ever seen. And apparently this this uh establishing shot the matte painting of the household <laughs> is a Ralph McQuarrie concept art piece. It is a
3: neat image. I like the image.
1: I don't think it works really well for It doesn't. And they 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 fall back on it too many times like yeah. you're established, you don't have to reestablish, but then again there's commercial breaks that we don't see. So <laughs> Josh, what are these uh, what's the Baca family talking about here for 9 minutes? <laughs> that image is a cool image. They needed
2: like some birds or some nature movement to it. It's just a flat picture that they zoom in on, which is very disappointing. And I didn't get the chance to say this in the last scene about Han and Chewie being like actually in the Starfighter. But I am getting the sense, and I'd never really put this together, that maybe it was the holiday special that sent Harrison Ford into his whole thing about not liking Star Wars and wanting to be killed off. And all that stuff.
3: (laughs) Ford was apparently so enraged after this came out. He didn't want to participate in the first place. He'd reportedly had a huge argument with Lucas and Fox people about the fact that his contract obliged him to participate. And then he disliked the final product so much. And he was so concerned about how many more of these types of things he was going to get roped into that he had a huge argument with them, including threats of lawsuit, that he wanted to just be completely released from his remaining Star Wars contracts. And if it had happened, he wouldn't have been in the other films either. Yeah. So, and and in fact, uh, for years afterward, and there's footage of some of this on YouTube, he would, he refused to acknowledge that he'd ever seen any of it. He would claim that he just had never watched it and wouldn't (laughs) watch it. And the, the only time to my knowledge he's ever actually acknowledged it on air is an episode of Conan. Conan, yeah, from like 10 or 12 years ago. Yeah. 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 Which is a pretty funny bit. <laughs> it is. Yeah, you could tell they like kind of rehearse that bit a little bit. Yeah. Like-
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry, Corey. I sent us off in that tailspin, but it, this Wookiee family on Kashluk is, uh you know what? The- the beginning conversation it's really hard in hindsight because they are just speaking Wookiee. but the grandpa is like whittling away a tie fighter or something Um, (laughs) lumpy doesn't like isn't fitting in he misses his paw the mom is cooking and it all kind of culminates in they like to break this monotony and the stress they're gonna pull out this like tabletop game
1: yeah, it is, it is nine minutes, Josh. So Jeez. <laughs> it's not... Well, there's nine minutes of uh, no human dialogue. I, I did a timer from after we started with the Wookiees to when we got to hear Ken doll Luke Skywalker talk, which I feel kind of bad making fun of him because you're right, Steve, he wasn't in that accident. He does look weird, though. I mean, yeah. it's noticeable. But, yeah, they, they break out the Dejarik table, which apparently is... More than just a uh, stop-motion chess game, you can watch
3: full-motion circus acts from the 70s on it. Yeah, I wasn't sure if the same name even applied because it does more than just the creature chess game. I don't know if this is like some other version or what. Like, I guess you program in whatever. It makes the
2: technology (laughs) seem a lot more pragmatic, though. Like, it's not just a chess game that takes up like this much room in your starship. It also has Netflix, presumably, in there somewhere.
4: Yeah. (laughs)
3: In the really late 80s or very, very early 90s, Sega figured out how to build this really crazy looking. I know what you're talking about. Right? Arcade cabinet thing that had this like partial arch over the top and it had a projector built into the bottom that fired upward. And it used these focused crystals and it could really make it look like, like holographic characters would pop up. I've only been to one place in the last 20 years that still had a functioning one. And there was one Holy game. Holy shit. Right? There was one game where it was cowboys uh, having gunfights with each other. And there was another <laughs> version that was a fighting game. And there I think there was a couple others as well. But it was really cool. And it was a very real thing. And I am still to this day so upset that they never did a licensing agreement with Lucasfilm because they absolutely could have done something like the Star Wars chest based on this technology. It was the neatest thing I've ever seen.
2: (laughs) Talk about random memories. Dude, that is something that I've gone through like the last 20 years. No one believes me or knows what the hell I'm talking about when I bring that thing up.
3: A hundred percent. People are either like, I have no memory of that or that doesn't sound real. I think you might be making it up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you tell them that it's just like from 1990. Everyone's like, no, (laughs) no. Like... Nothing good happened in 1990. It's like I didn't have enough money
2: to pay for that. The older kids had enough tokens and I was just watching them.
3: That was part of my problem. I mean, even here in Los Angeles, I don't think I remember more than two or three arcades ever having any one of those. And when you did find one, it was like a buck fifty a play. And it's like, great, I can get two plays out of this before I'm out of cash or more.
2: Yeah. Dude, it was booked
1: every time I saw it. I don't think it was even open <laughs> to play.
3: That kind of thing was at
1: specialty arcades, like yeah. the Starcade at Disneyland. Yeah, the Starcade had every like mm. specialty game that you could imagine, and uh, I I shed a tear every time I walk by it because that area at Disneyland is closed. There's nothing in there, but yeah. it still
3: says Starcade above it, just to remind you of the 90s. There was a while where they were using part of it as like a business center, but uh, yeah, but no, I mean, that place. You're right, and, and it was. It was actually like the perfect museum for the best of that type of thing for 90s arcades because they had like the Alpine skier game where you stood on the ski platform and had individual feet and you skied. Right. They had all the interactive games. Right? Oh, God. There was so many good ones. Some of those cabinets were like 20 grand a piece. Of course, Disney made all their money back in two days, but, you
2: know. How did South Bend, Indiana get that arched 3D thing? That thing was dope. <laughs> they were super dope. I can't believe that's not a thing that that should have gone somewhere. It was so cool. It's mesmerizing, actually.
3: Right. I agree with you. That's the part I'm kind of most surprised. at. I think part of it has to do with more advanced consoles damaging the arcade business. But I agree with you. Like, it doesn't make sense that more advanced versions of that didn't keep because if they could do that in 1990, what could they do with it now?
1: One thing I like about the Star Wars holiday special, and this is like relatable, is that at some point pretty early on, Lumpy goes outside <laughs> and just contemplates suicide. Whoa. <laughs> he just he just Jeez. walks along the ledge that's like, <sighs> I don't know, a hundred feet down to the bottom. Jenny from Forrest Gump. He just pulls a Jenny. He's just like
3: <laughs> Do Wookiees age like Yodas? like is there some possibility that this that that itchy is like in a kid sized wookiee body but he's really like 60 cuz that's I, that's that's pretty deep for a kid man i think it's possible actually they live for a long time they do don't they like yeah, 2 300 years or not something not quite as
1: long as uh quote yodas but I, I just i say the
3: proper species name that's what I was going to say is what's the proper species name for you? I don't even remember. No one anymore. knows. That's, that's what I was going to say. I don't think it's even part of canon. No. Yeah. yeah I is. don't think anyone even knows what planet they come from. I nope. feel like yeah. Corey was joking when he said that. Oh, right. But
2: if you think about it, the the Wookiees are under this fascist regime. He's living with like this hardcore religious family. He's like, his dad's po- possibly dead very recently. His dad's a terrorist.
4: He's a terrorist.
3: <laughs> the Republic is are not there, but the Empire's constantly in their house looking for his father. <laughs> they're basically Nazis. they're always asking
1: to see your papers. right?
0: And what are you doing in this Wookie house? Oh, I'm a traitor in this district You see the, uh, uh, the truth of the matter is she had a terrible fight with her husband. And he just stormed right out. Your of identification? What? I said your identification. <laughs>
3: And they make you watch forced propaganda videos, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which aren't really propaganda. It's really weird that one of their pieces of forced propaganda is a sassy bartender on Tatooine. Hey, hold
1: on. Real quick, before we go into no, let's, that, let's not get there do yet. we have anything to say about Luke Skywalker? I mean, is there, is there anything positive about this that we can extract from— I mean, he to set up the scene, Mala calls him over there, you know, their video Skype, and Luke Skywalker's just working with R2 on his X-Wing or whatever he's doing— He just kind of says hi and like, oh, Chewbacca's not there yet. Oh, I'm sure he'll be home. Is there anything good about this, Josh? Maybe you have a take?
2: Yeah. It really made me think about how lonely and horny Luke probably was like all the time. His whole life.
0: (laughs) Come on, Mala. Let's see a little smile.
4: Come on. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay.
1: Corny, huh? All right, yeah. I guess uh, I didn't get that out of it. He's living alone with a robot
2: in a storage unit. It's not a good sitch for him.
1: Look, R 2s compatible with
2: all sorts of add ons. Yeah, <laughs> dude, you mentioned another suicide joke earlier in the in this pod because he like shoots carbon monoxide all up
3: in there, like right in his face, and he loves it. it at that moment, seems a little like R two does it on purpose i got to
4: get back to this engine. I think we might have it solved. R2! What are you doing?
3: I think he's like, hey, I don't want to talk to these Wookiees anymore. I'm going to break something. (laughs) If I I see that fucking lumpy kid on screen one more motherfucking time. (laughs) That weird-ass face. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that kid's got to be like a special needs Wookiee, right? That's the thing. He's kind of like the Downs Wookiee. Now I already regret that came out of my mouth. But still... uh, but, yeah, I mean, you're saying it, but I think maybe that's what they're trying to convey, you know? With, he's like making, the Grimace of the Wookiee world? They're, yeah, they're making <laughs> him look
1: a certain way for a reason. He's, got, he's he got some issues, you know? Look,
3: there's an open window for McDonald's to do a movie about the Grimace world. I'm just saying. George Lucas can write and direct it.
1: <laughs>
3: you know, more fodder for Steve to enjoy. Right. Terrifying. <laughs> Special guest star Ronald McDonald riding on a bantha. <laughs> <laughs> like a that i knew you were gonna say that
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> steve uh. art carney is in this art movie carney, the most redeeming thing about this whole thing and it's still terrible <laughs> so art carney is in this he's sean don don however you're supposed to pronounce that that was supposed to be get how ridiculous this is That was based on an early incarnation of Lando Calrissian. And a version of that is almost what Lucas used as Lando. And can you imagine that being what they found on Bespin? Thank God they actually cast someone who's cool for Lando. (laughs) (laughs) Because Art Carney, I don't find him cool at all. He's just like an old fogey. Art Carney, I I enjoy Art Carney. I think he's a fun personality and he was on the, the Honeymooners and whatever. But like, yeah, definitely not... Cool in the way of of like Billy D. Williams, yeah. You know, so, that guy's
1: fucking. That guy's got drip, dude. Our yeah. Carney is not the same.
3: No, drip. no, he's definitely the suave type. Williams as. I wonder if if that movie had been made thirty five years later, do you think um, Sam Jackson would have played that part instead of Window? Because I sort of do. Yeah, I could see it. Or like Chris P- Tucker. Chris Tucker might have been Lando Calrissian. <laughs> <laughs> ah, what a weird universe that would be!
0: <laughs> what are you doing here? Ah, uh, repairs. I thought you could help me out.
1: What kind of shit is that? Hell no! Sorry.
3: Anyway, so yeah, Sean Don's in this. Might have been, might have been Lando, and. uh... Not there's there's not there's all fluff in this there's no substance the characters don't exist for any real reason it's just like you know here's some shit they're doing yeah the only the only thing I thought was sort of of note is that during the part where Chewbacca's wife is watching Goro the <laughs> forearm chef cook something on TV that uh, she's watching it on a flat panel monitor which was very forward thinking at that point. <laughs> That's a piece you pick out. Yeah, it's the one standout of theirs. They were smart enough to figure TVs would be thin eventually.
1: <laughs> we get some recycled footage of Vader And I guess yeah. they got a line from James Earl Jones Out of it though
3: So that's funny yeah, Jones didn't turn up for any of the actual production of this <laughs> That that was a snippet they edited out of 4 Sincerely And I don't even mean that to be snide It's just, it's, that's how they got it It was a piece of footage that, they, that had, they'd shot for 4 And hadn't used And they stuck it in there And the only reason James Earl Jones got a credit On the holiday special at all Is because his voice happened to be in that, that snippet
0: We've ordered a blockade and curfew, and started a search operation. It's just a matter of time before we find the rebels. I want the rebels located and identified. If it means searching every household in the system,
3: I think that's his first Star Wars credit. (laughs) Yeah, because I don't think he was credited in A New Hope. I think you're right. Yeah, I think they get that Prowse got the credit for being in the suit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Brother Josh, are you a fan of cooking shows?
4: <laughs>
1: I once worked on a cooking show. <laughs> nice. Okay. Was it
2: Julia Child? No, it was hyper-local It's <laughs> northern Indiana, so... <laughs> nice. Did they make Bantha Surprise? Of course. Like a Bantha, they did. <laughs> I, th- I said that wrong. My bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll allow it. Uh, I don't know, Josh. There's there's some segments in here. I'm going to go to you for some of them. The, the cooking thing. It's terrible. Um, what is funny about it, if anything? It's
2: kind of funny. I thought you were going to give me some choices here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's not multiple
2: choice. Is it the forearms? Is it the man dressed as a
3: woman? Is it... A man dressed as a woman, that's pretty funny, right, guys? That's not allowed. You're not, that's, no, that can't... It's fun, not funny anymore.
1: No. You ever seen Big Mama's House?
3: <laughs> no. This is part of the multiple
1: choice that aren't right, okay? Just bear with me. <laughs> 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 the hair falls down. That's funny.
3: It that is kind of funny. The forearms, I guess, is sort of amusing. It's stupid, but it's amusing. Cooking is just amounted to whipping and stirring. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're cooking Bantha...
0: Stir, whip, stir, whip 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 stir, stir, whip, stir, whip, stir, whip 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 stir, wah! Having fun, having fun. Alright? Step
3: three. Jeez, although I'd like it's not gonna mean anything to anybody that didn't watch like even people that watch Star Wars, how many people in nineteen seventy eight you think knew what a Bantha was? Probably not many. <laughs> <laughs> not what the fuck's in- I don't think it's a
2: big number. Multiple choice C. Even a Wookiee woman knows her places in the kitchen.
3: That's pretty funny. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, there's there, this is definitely a product of the late 70s. <laughs> <laughs> a lot in here would not fly
1: now. <laughs> well, that's what that's what is doing, Josh, but maybe you can keep going here. Art Carney visits and he delivers some gifts and Itchy gets a very special gift, right, Josh? This is creepy as shit.
2: Uh I just want to get into the Diana Carroll scene. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was I was mixing up itchy and lumpy in my head. Yes. So old man Itchy is grumpy and much like Luke from earlier, he's been alone for a long time. So <laughs>
3: Yeah. And he doesn't have Jedi willpower. No, not November has
2: gone on too long. Right. <laughs> Only with Jedi willpower can you withstand for years and years like that. But he literally like there's no other way to explain it, Corey, except it's a VR sex doll. And it's like softcore porn until it gets to like that
3: point, And it kind of cuts away in the goddamn living room. All his grandkids around and his daughter or his daughter in law, at least. This is their gift to him. <laughs> Here you go, Gramps. Sit in the living room and do whatever you're gonna do with this.
1: I know you're searching for me. I exist for you. I am in your mind
0: as you create me. Oh, yes. I can feel my creation. (laughs) I'm getting
4: your message. Are you getting mine? oh oh we are excited aren't we
0: well just relax just relax Yeah. now
1: we can have a good time it made me think that not enough porn has like a kaleidoscope background
3: you know yeah it's definitely what we need more of (laughs) yeah
1: apparently Cher was offered this role I don't know uh, if that's true. That's some IMDb trivia shit.
3: Yeah, I see that's yes, another one of those. But
2: wow, everyone with any sense hated this project. <laughs> Stayed away from it with a ten foot pole. So it's not surprising.
3: Yeah, I. Uh, even B. Arthur was like, "I only did this because one of my kids was a Star Wars fan." <laughs> <laughs>
2: Sorry, I have respect for her, and she's in it too. So that's that's not a knock on everyone.
3: Yeah, I don't dislike her, but fuck yeah. <laughs>
1: It's interesting, though, that, like, the way I remember this scene, the VR headset softcore porn, like, beamed directly into your brain, the way I remembered it is exactly the way it played out. Like, I thought I might watch it and it would be less erotic than I remember, but it's equally as erotic. It is definitely... I mean, it's... It's porn for this man.
4: we could only bend this minute Infinitely Extend this minute, then I could live my whole life right now.
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like a half step to the machine, including some kind of pump that hooks up, and uh, it's, it's pretty close. <laughs> Yeah, there's like a, a, a pump that like exactly like a... it's right, right to the zone. Yeah, <laughs>
1: and he red
2: rockets it out. It's right. classic like Star Wars sexuality too. It's like weird fashion <laughs> with like kind of like half partial breasts exposed. Like right? it's just very horny George Lucas. Like if he was involved in this production, it's probably like this one day on set.
3: Probably right. I want to see the
2: Wookiee get off. <laughs> <laughs> Rotator
1: in a circle I'll be in my dressing room Right? Bring me the
3: footage (laughs) Immediately Give me the dailies (laughs) Right? I just want the dailies for Tuesday (laughs) Tuesday's the day I shot the looky stuff, right? Yeah, that's all I need to say My God, man You know, there's a There's a fine balance that, That can be achieved very rarely where, where puppets are involved, where you get just the right mix of, of like kid friendly while also being like amusing for adults. It's why the Muppet Show is so genius, and like this was aiming for something like that, and just just went way over the fence. Yeah, <laughs> this doesn't even meet Electric Company levels no. of quality. Right, Electric Company. That's great. <laughs>
1: Leia and C three PO show up. They say hi absolutely nothing happens there leia
3: is just a complete bitch and totally disinterested
1: (laughs) she's like put someone else on the phone Leia
3: seems like a hardcore racist she's like yo i need to speak to a human (laughs) you fucking wookie she
0: says it may be a happy life day for you but personally she's seen happier ones i don't want
4: to type the channels so could you do me a favor and send either chewbacca or han solo to the screen please
3: like, get off the phone, you furball! I want to speak to something civilized. <laughs> someone, get this walking <laughs> carpet out of here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you please put Han Solo on now? <laughs> I want someone who speaks a language that involves words.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, she's got three PR right there, but she's like, I don't, I still don't care. Like. Translation like, doesn't matter. It's also
3: weird that she seems generally able to understand Chewie, but she needs 3PO to translate everything that his family's saying.
1: Yeah,
2: it's one of those things where you pretend, like, yeah, I don't know Spanish, just so you like <laughs> don't have to talk to
3: that particular person. What do you mean Chewie's not back? I, I don't speak Wookiee. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm deaf. <laughs> I'm deaf. Yeah, can you put a civilized creature on the phone? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Are there
1: any Rodians about?
4: <laughs> right?
1: Any Panda Babas, whatever that
3: guy is. Oh, my God, yeah. What, what is uh, Snoo Snortles or whatever? Snoo Snoodles? Is? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Somebody get me Max Rebo's phone number, yeah. though. I want to talk to that guy. Uh. What's up, elephant bitch? <laughs> right? I love you, Max. Oh, uh. uh.
1: The Empire is, of course, occupying Kazook in this film. So they are doing searches on all the Wookiee households. They do arrive at the Baka family household, uh, which is what I assume the name is,
3: you know. So it's Itchy Baka and Lumpy Baka.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right? That's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. That's the surname. (laughs) Thank you, Josh.
4: Oh god! So
2: his his name is actually Chew. So that fits more in with Lumpy, Itchy, and Chew.
4: Right? (laughs) Just awful.
1: Oh man. (laughs) So this is the point in the movie that, like, I've maintained for years. Whenever someone puts this on as like a gag or like, you know, you're having some people over and you're drinking and you're like, let's put on the holiday special. It'll be funny. (laughs) This is the exact point. I'm pretty sure where everyone turns it off. And that is, of course, during the Jefferson Starship song.
3: Carrie Fisher has said at least once in an interview that when she did commentary tracks for the original trilogy films, either in 93 or 97, one of the two that she specifically asked George Lucas for a copy of this as part of her compensation package because she wanted to put it on at parties when she couldn't get people to leave. <laughs> she figured that putting it wow. on would make everyone get the fuck out. Damn. <laughs> I mean because it's so
1: it's so bad that it's funny. Right? But then it starts to become too bad. And then Jefferson Starship plays, and that seals the deal for me. That's like, okay, I'm not watching this
3: anymore. The very first vinyl record album, I'm just barely old enough, they were still hanging around substantially when I was little. The first vinyl record album I ever owned was a Jefferson Starship album that I only owned because my parents gave it to me because I, I wanted a record to put on my Big Bird turntable. Which of is course. What it was, yes, and my my parents didn't like that album, and they 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 had a copy of it laying around, so my dad was like, "Here you can play with this one. Huh? <laughs> take this piece of shit right if you I don't like it, that I don't band, care
1: if it's not obvious enough Steve. right I'm not a fan,
3: no, Corey,
2: I don't suggest people do it, and I regret like I think timing and editing is really important to a movie, so you shouldn't mess with like the youtube speed, <laughs> like yeah. playback speed but it was made. The two times speed, I I did that. If that mars my review tonight, I'll accept it, but I times two sped the Jefferson Starship section, and I hope that's okay.
4: (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's quite alright. I mean, it, it's insignificant to the overarching plot, but then again, this is a variety special, so you're gonna get, you know, musical numbers and, I guess, comedic numbers thrown in as well, and that's that's their big musical act, and it's uh, not very good. That's all there is to say.
4: <laughs>
1: What's more interesting, and I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit more in a sec after I toss to one of you guys, but Lumpy watches his favorite show on his little personal TV. He watches The Story of the Faithful Wookiee. Which is, of course, about his own dad.
0: Starlog 324-1, from the bridge of the Cruiser RS Revenge, Captain Kazahan reporting. We are awaiting the return of Captain Han Solo and his first mate Chewbacca, who are long overdue on a delicate mission to acquire the mystical talisman which has been sought by our forces and by the Empire.
1: You can't really put this together. There's like a meta-ness, right? He's watching his dad and Han Solo go on an adventure. Obviously, it's meant to be something else because it wouldn't make any sense. Live cartoon. That's a thing. Live cartoon.
2: In the future. Live cartoon? Yeah. yeah.
3: It's very tiring for the animators. <laughs> yeah. Seven like... days to air is bullshit compared to this. <laughs> Ugh. I want to admit, before anyone calls me out, I actually stole that joke from The Simpsons. There's an episode where Homer asks one of the voice actors from Itchy and Scratchy why they never do live episodes, and that's her response. (laughs) Okay.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's what it's called on Disney+, Plus: the story of the
3: faithful Wookiee. That's the original name for it. Okay. And it's, it's, like, the most notable part of this whole thing, really.
1: It is. So I did this little uh, Instagram story A poll, I guess. I basically posted something about the Star Wars Holiday Special. And I said, if you like the Holiday Special, please tell me why. And I'm not going to name names. I did get a lot of messages. I'm not going to go into all of them. Most people said it's so bad it's good. It was Ronnie. A lot of people said it's funny because it's obviously bad. But the people that did have positive things to say about it, they said that they liked the Boba Fett stuff in the animated segment. So that was the common thing that people said is good about this. Now, Steve, do you agree that it's good?
3: Yeah, I agree that it's good. It's the one part that I actually enjoy watching. It's also the reason why it's the only segment that's on Disney+, Plus or that was included in the Blu-rays, as we discussed earlier. It's Boba Fett's first appearance of any kind. He had never been in any other Star Wars media before this. It was so early for him, and they were still in pre-production development on 5 and 6, that they hadn't finalized the coloring of his armor. So his armor is differently colored in this, and it's the only example in regular media where that's the case. Kenner at one point had been planning a toy line based on the holiday special, and they were going to do a boba with that colored armor, and then people hated the special. So those toys never came out, but a handful of years ago... It wasn't Kenner. I can't remember who Nelmatel or somebody did a figure that had the, the coloring from this.
1: Yeah. I think that's the prototype armor Boba Fett, which I have a black box figure of. Right. The six inch figure.
3: I also forgot to mention we were discussing it earlier. There's actually a children's book that apparently came out or is going to come out this year. That's based on the Faithful Wookiee short. So it's it's still surviving. But uh, I, I wanted to make mention of the guy that did Boba's voice for this segment. His name is his voice actor named Don Franks. He also voiced Boba in, in the Droids and um, Star Wars, I think, Ewoks cartoons. Yeah, those are the two. Or on in 85. He, uh, he's he been around quite a lot. In addition to voicing Boba, he's also done voices in the Garbage Pail Kids, Care Bears, some cartoons based on Elf. He was in one of the segments in 1981's Heavy Metal, which I think is one of the greatest animated things ever, ever created. But there were two specific roles of his I really wanted to mention – one really quick, he actually does appear in Johnny Mnemonic. He's a a, a handless, or he's a bartender missing a hand who goes by Hookie. We saw him in Johnny Mnemonic, which is awesome. Great movie. Great movie. But he also provided a consistent voice for years, years worth of animated X-Men content, including the 95 animated series in which he voiced Sabretooth. Oh, yeah. Ooh, so cool. that is Sabretooth. Yeah. that's my dude right so I think I thought Franks was worth mentioning because he's one of those unsung guys there's a lot of these guys especially for those of us that were kids or adolescents during the 80s that like you heard his voice all over the place and you still wouldn't know who he was unless somebody pointed it out so yeah yeah I'm a little surprised you guys like this so much I like just this one segment of it I mean it's not it's I don't not like p- it at all Really? Well, not the, at all. <laughs> the
2: animation, and especially the human faces, are trash. Like, yeah. It's scary.
1: Han it's not- Solo looks fucking ridiculous.
3: <laughs> he does. I mean, look, this is the one part of the holiday special that I like. <laughs> okay. You know, if we're comparing it to the rest of the Star Wars universe, yeah, it's weak, it's weak stuff.
2: But, yeah. <laughs> but my biggest problem, I think, and the thing that'll stick with me, is that Boba Fett is referred to as Darth Vader's right-hand man. Yes. That doesn't make sense in a whole lot of ways.
1: Yeah. If you've seen the Star Wars that came out before this, that doesn't make sense. Right? That dude doesn't have a right-hand man. He is the right-hand man. <laughs> now, I know a lot of media have uh, added right-hand men. Did I say that right? Whatever. It's Darth Vader later. Like, you know, the Force Unleashed, and there's other things where it's like, oh, yeah, Vader was secretly always working with this guy. Um, but it just doesn't seem to work right. You know, in Empire, he's clearly just a bounty hunter that was hired and that's that. I mean, Steve, you talked about heavy metal. Yeah. This does remind me of heavy metal in some
3: ways. I think maybe that's part of why I like it is it has a sort of similar, it's not nearly as a grown up, but sort of similar feel to it. There's some kind
1: of like American animation style just from that era that like is like similar to the heavy metal.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think heavy metal was just a slightly nicer version of that same style. Right. My yeah.
1: my note for this was actually it's pre heavy metal nightmare fuel. <laughs> right. There's silly looking dinosaurs, and then the people look insane. Uh-huh. And Han Solo, his voiceover, Harrison Ford, it, it's like the Blade Runner voiceover. <laughs> like it is. I'm sorry, Steve. He is bored. He is not enjoying this experience. <laughs>
0: What happened? I don't know. Well, somebody must know something. He says our friend Boba found serum for the talisman virus. Boba, you're a hero and a faithful friend. You must come back with us. What's the matter with R2? I'm afraid, sir, it's because you said Boba is a friend and faithful ally. That simply does not feed properly into R2's information bank. What are you talking about? We intercepted a message between Boba and Darth Vader, sir. Boba Fett is Darth Vader's right-hand man. I'm afraid this whole adventure has been an imperial
3: plot. We'll meet again, friend. Well,
0: trust the droid to get to the bottom of things.
3: No, he definitely didn't like any part of being involved (laughs) at the holiday special. I mean, this shows the most
1: (laughs) in the fucking voiceover ADR room, doesn't it? It does. It does.
2: Absolutely. I picked up one little thing that I think Corey might really like that I thought was interesting within this, like, because what is good is that this little cartoon has like a plot, and this reminds me of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or like some sort of like twelve minute episode, right, that you would get in the nineties,
4: mm-hmm. like
2: an action cartoon, but we get like glimpses of Luke here, like bet- like before he has force powers, right. And he's kind of fighting action hero without a lightsaber even, I think. Like, is that right? Did
1: did you catch on to any of that? I didn't think about it at the the time, but you are correct. I mean, it's it's old blaster Luke. And that blaster Luke is something that sticks in my mind, especially in Empire Strikes Back, where he's in that in-between phase, where he's not like full-on Jedi Master yet. Because when he shows up to Bespin and he's like looking around the halls, he has his blaster out, not his lightsaber. And uh, I yeah. got a lot of respect for Blaster Luke.
3: Blaster Luke. <laughs> I don't know. I, I
1: just like that like transitional period of Luke when he's not quite Jedi. He's still using the gun, you know, because he hasn't quite mastered the force. He doesn't use a lightsaber all the time unless his opponent has one. And, you know,
3: it's PJE, the
2: pre-Jedi era. Yeah, the pre-Jedi era. That would have been a cool touch of the cartoon, though, whether it was a small act or even a failed act if he like kind of tried to do something but it was like kind of shitty with the force that would have mm. been cool
1: i, I agree that would have been great
3: yeah yeah no. i like i mean despite the rumors that lucas is the one who pushed for the wookie planet he otherwise has said before that his claim anyway is that the they got to a point during development where the people who were supposed to be working on this got pulled away to do other stuff and the CBS executives essentially took the whole thing over, and they were the ones that were that decided what to do and how to do it, and basically wrote the script the way they wanted. So I like I think that level of stuff, like we were just never going to get it right because this was really TV executives wanting to cash in on Star Wars popularity, and if we believe Mark Hamill, George Lucas was basically doing the same thing. So. Yeah, I don't think that like it would have been nice, but they weren't thinking about it on that level, right? It was just like let's just make this <laughs> yeah. get it on TV, <laughs> get that toy money coming in,
2: right? Just trying to pull out some intriguing bits out of the holiday special, Steve.
3: Yeah, <laughs> no, I think you're right, though. I think you're right. Speaking <laughs> of
1: intriguing bits, two things, and this isn't going to be news to you guys, but it might be to a listener. So Boba Fett has a rifle that has like a dual prong on the tip,
4: yeah, which is
1: basically what. Din Djarin uses in season one of the Mandalorian. Ooh. Also Boba Fett is riding a giant dinosaur like a bantha like a, he's writing it a, like a bantha
3: <laughs> so, right that 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 moment. OK, that moment kind of stuck with me now. I don't I do not remember every bit of pre Disney canon, so there could have been comics or books or whatever containing scenes that I just don't remember, but. There's a moment, and this isn't going to ruin anything for anyone, there's a moment in the new Boba Fett show, and I won't be too specific, but he wants to ride a thing, and somebody else tells him, basically, it's too big. Is it Fennec? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, everyone wants to ride Fennec. Yeah. uh, And the, the person he's talking to basically says, you can't ride one of these, look how huge it is. And Fett's response is, I've ridden things 10 times bigger than this. <laughs> and while I was watching the the like holiday, You're right. While I was watching the holiday special. No, that was Leia. Um, <laughs> while I was watching the holiday special, I was like, maybe that's what he meant is this thing. It is. <laughs> right? I feel like it has to
1: be. Right? And that's
3: that's kind of cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool.
1: But yeah, you know, like that's, that's something a fan would do. Be like, right? let's make this very <laughs> subtle touch to the holiday special. And the people that make Boba Fett and The Mandalorian are fans, like through and yeah. through. But further
2: than that, I think that also shows Boba Fett as like a creature, animal, dude. And that, yeah. to me, that kind of came out of nowhere in the new series because that has like quite a bit to do with his like character arc, I think. Not even just the rancor, but other creatures too. So,
3: God, oh, you called it by name. Spoiler.
2: Well, there's a rancor in like the first, or second episode, Steve. It's okay. <laughs> All right.
1: He doesn't ride the like a Bantha. Never mind, you can edit that part out. <laughs> My last note as it relates to this animated special, and it's just a quick thing, is that it reminds me of some of the old Star Wars Dark Horse comics. So, I'm pretty sure the the Star Wars comic agreement was with Dark Horse. Or no, it was with Marvel, well, yeah. and then Dark Horse, yeah. and then Marvel again.
3: And then, yeah, the old, the original Marvel stuff's the campiest, and the Dark Horse stuff is my favorite. The Dark Horse Star Wars comics got really good in the early nineties. Okay, I
1: believe you, yeah. but I haven't read any of the good. Well, I shouldn't say that. I've read very uh, few of the good ones. I've okay. read some shitty ones. Yeah, and they're like this. Yeah, like they're just like this little self-contained story where. Nothing of significance happens.
3: I would also suggest, if anyone's going to go looking, find the Dark Horse early to mid-90s, any 90s era Dark Horse Alien stuff. It's really, really good. But yeah.
1: Boba Fett versus Alien?
3: They never did that crossover. They did do a Terminator. Was that Marvel? Somebody published a Terminator versus Robocop crossover comic. Wasn't very good. <laughs>
1: there was a game of that, too. <laughs> there I mean. was. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, back in the story, you know, Lumpy watched his favorite show. (laughs) Fucking Lumpy! Good for him. Uh, (gasps) The Stormtroopers are there just fucking shit up. They rip up his favorite Bantha toy in the saddest moment of the movie. He picks up his headless Bantha plushie and a single tear rolls down his cheek. I guess that's the Lumpy Oscar moment.
3: I mean, you really start to understand why in the post-Empire era people just have fucking stormtrooper heads on spikes all over the place <laughs> just to remind you what this is what happens. <laughs> you know? Yeah, the Empire is not a fun thing. No.
2: It's literally like the Russians just walking into Ukraine, tearing apart Bantha stuffed animals. It's shitty. Oh, yeah.
3: I wonder yeah. if Boba's going to meet one of his clones. They can't all be dead. Anyway. That was a random thought, but I loved it. Never thought of that before. (laughs) Right? Like, they can't all be dead. There's no way they got all of them. Even What's-Her-Namey that that Jin got the sword from, there's no way she killed them all. That's a
2: classic boss fight, too. It's like a video game trope. It's like, in the fifth level, boss is always, like, a version of you that's kind of better than you or something. Yeah,
3: maybe (laughs) he bumps into one that didn't spend all that time stuck in the fucking... uh, uh, (laughs) Sarlacc, you know? and like A young
2: man with like a five o'clock shadow and some hair left, kind of. Right?
3: (laughs) Right, or he finds out one of those weird things. Was was it Kamino they were making the clones on? He finds out one of those weird aliens took a bunch of the samples and they're still breeding them somewhere. That'd be sick. I mean, there's definitely clones around. So I
1: don't don't know if you know this, Steve. You might. Right. But Rex, who was like the main clone from the Clone Wars, he's probably like the most top ranking of the clones. He is in... Return of the Jedi. Oh,
3: yeah. So
1: he's one of, like, the background soldiers right. with the white beard on Endor. Yeah. Hanging out there with Luke, so. So you're right, there are a few of
2: them. Uh, I think that's disputed, though, because I think they came out with a statement. Like, obviously, that was retroactive, that they made that, like, bearded old man
3: Rex. Yeah. He's also... I can't even remember who it is now. There's an instance in this where somebody who played a different character in 4 or 5 appears and it's the Lucasfilm had to say it's the same dude but different characters.
2: I think it was Filoni or Robert Rodriguez said and correctly I think. I thought this was really thoughtful. There's it like it's shitty of us to just make him Rex when he was an actor with his like own motivations and like art- artistic approach to the role. And maybe you could take that, like, kind of sarcastically because he's just an extra in a Star Wars. But I feel like that's them being respectful,
1: you know? They want to have it both ways, I think, you know? They want to have him be Rex so then be like, but he's not if he doesn't want to be. You have to ask him about it. Yeah, we'll interview him next week, you know? We'll get that sorted out. There's a thing that happens real quick and I'm just going to breeze by this. There's a commercial for some piece of shit malfunctioning tech droid man of some kind that Lumpy's watching. I don't really understand what it is. I think it's supposed to be some kind of like physical comedy. This guy is basically glitching out. Steve, do you have anything to say about that?
3: I don't even remember the segment <laughs> to be honest. So, no. No thoughts. I It looked like it could have been a precursor to
2: Steve Carell and Bruce Almighty. Because, like, the acting here isn't terrible, but the, they just play out the gag like for four straight minutes. It's like, that's what sucks. But it did kind of remind me of Steve Carell being like taken control of by Jim Carrey from that movie. So
1: it's one of those things where the people filming it or like the producers or the directors or whoever is watching it and like they're thinking, like, this is gold, you know, like this is so funny, <laughs> like, this is going to be amazing. And then it just doesn't play on screen at all, probably, because it's like they didn't edit it down at all. It's just going on for too long. <laughs> now,
0: find the circuit breaker module. <laughs> and by the way, let's start calling these components by their proper names. <laughs> circuit
1: breaker <laughs> But Steve, I have something that might pique your interest. There's... Life on Tatooine, yes. which is, it's a live broadcast, which apparently is required viewing for all Imperial forces. <laughs> so what they do is they go into your house, and then they watch this for training purposes while they're occupying your domicile. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I don't, th- th- doesn't, the whole setup makes no sense to me. <laughs> Send them to a training facility, and why is the training video just like the sassy bartender on Tatooine? But anyway, yeah, yeah, that's what the setup for Life, life on Tatooine is. Um, they took an entire day to film this sequence. I don't, it was not, it was not broadcast live. The actual sequence was not broadcast live. They, it was, it is pre-taped and, and spliced in. Um, of course. The actors in the alien costumes apparently were having so much trouble getting air that they needed to keep <laughs> oxygen tanks on the set because people <laughs> were passing out. <laughs> you got to so, go the extra mile. Is Greedo in there? Right, so There is another Greedo. I can't remember what that species is called. Rodian. There you go, Rodian. There is another green-skinned Rodian in the group, but this is after four, so Greedo has to be dead. Fair enough. Um, but
1: they always wear a vest.
3: They do always wear a vest. That's a very fashionable
1: thing for a Rodian to wear.
3: Right. <laughs> uh, so uh, here's a weird thing, though. So large parts of, if not the entirety... Of the holiday special were actually included between 1978 and 2014 were included in the holocron. And anybody who's really a deep diver Star Wars nerd, the holocron was like the canon bible for the Star Wars universe up to the point that Disney bought 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 out the universe. The holocron was maintained in part by Lucasfilm. That was where you could go to get all your canon info. The holiday special, including the Life on Tatooine segment, were included in the holocron. There was some debate over, like, how it really fit in and how much precedence it should be given, but it was recognized. 2014, after the buyout, the universe is retconned. Most of the old canon is removed, including the larger percentage of the holiday special. The one exception is the Akmina bartender character played by B. Arthur in this part of the special. Aww. That character is still part of Star Wars canon, and she's been reused in other media, like in a comic or something. That that character, Akmina, is still part of Star Wars canon right now. Thank God. Right?
0: be? <laughs> 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 Hello, Akmina. Okay, we'll do it your way. Hello. Now we'll do it my way. What'll it be? Can we talk? Well, of course we can talk. We are talking. You're not ordering. I'm not pouring. We are not drinking. We are talking. I'm moving this to make room for a drink so the next time I say, what'll it be, and you tell me, I can put it right there. Doesn't matter. Give me anything. I'll have one of those.
2: Did this remind you of Pappy, though, at all, Corey? (laughs) Because it's like... Pappy on Spoilers Podcast is always harping on Tatooine out of all the billions of planets is always being returned to. And here we have, even in the holiday special, (laughs) not even out of the 70s yet, already going back to Tatooine for a quick,
3: just a quick hit. They spent a chunk there in the Mandalorian. They spent the whole season there with Boba Fett. We're going to go back again with Obi-Wan. So yeah, I mean, that planet, you can't get away from it. It's also the source... Of the most ridiculous line from is that six where they're on job as sale barge and Luke ends up knocking Boba into into the Sarlacc, Where he's up he's up there on the on the platform on the barge with, with Solo and he looks at Han and he says, You know, I was good I was born on this planner. I used to live on this planet. So it's like, well no shit, the two of you met most easily, like fuck you know, you the two of you've known each other for twenty years at this point. He's aware of that. <laughs> Not that long, but yeah. Yeah, I mean whatever it was. But yeah. <laughs> You're going to die on this planet, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, it's a good line, but the two of you have known each other. Like, yeah, I'm aware that you're from here. When we met, you weren't the Jedi yet, dude. (laughs) Like. So, Akmina, she sings
1: about how her bar is getting closed. And I think that goes on for uh, two and a half hours. Yeah,
3: it feels like it's about a million years long. (laughs) But again, it's because (laughs) of the oppressors. Oh, God, yeah.
1: Yeah, he was... Uh, Imperials, you know, shutting them down. They actually just implement a curfew, so she can still be open up to a certain time. That's what a curfew is. So, I think she's uh, taking this a little strongly. But, (sighs) this is one of those things where I'm not I don't know what it is, right? Because it's not funny. I don't think it's supposed to be funny. It's not a good song. I think it's just a musical number, and it's supposed to be like, what? I'm supposed to be vibing to this song, right? Like, that's what's happening here?
3: Yeah, it's what it seems like, and you're right. It's not a good song. It's not an interesting piece. With all due respect to B. Arthur, because I liked her, she's not much of a singer. Like, it, I don't really understand what else it would be. You know? <laughs> I guess much like anything else in this special, it just goes on
1: too long.
0: Just one more round, friend Then homeward bound, friend Don't forget me in your dreams. Just one more song, friend. And then so long, friend. The nights get shorter, it seems.
1: Uh, There were some serious editing problems with this. Not that the material itself was great, but it could have been snappier. Josh, you're an editor, don't you agree?
2: Yeah, but... I think that's kind of what these like variety shows are. That's why SNL, 90% of the sketches seem like they go on for too long for the last 40 years. And have no ending. Yeah. yeah. It, you just kind of play out the bit and keep making content
3: out of it. Like that's, that's what these are. That's why improv doesn't really work. Some of it's funny, but what they really need to do is film six hours worth of it and par it down to the 25 minutes that was actually funny. It's, it's, yeah, it never works.
1: You mean like if it's like watched on a screen? Because yeah. I mean, I've gone to live improv comedy shows, and right. those have been cool. Like they're interactive with the audience and stuff. So yeah,
3: like- no. I mean, obviously, I'm being a little hard. Like some of them can be fun, but it's just like if you if you're there on a night where they're not on, or the material's not working for some reason, and it's there's not a lot of rehearsal because the improv is the point of it. And like, it, it you can often end up in those situations where it's like. That's sk- still
2: interesting, though, and it's still an in-person experience, right? Whereas with SNL or this 1970 Star Wars special variety show, you don't get any of that. You just get the...
3: I get what you're
2: getting There at. should be, like, a word for that feeling when you know it's gone on for too long, it, you know?
3: It, it just, for me, it's almost worse in person because it's like, now I can't change the channel or walk out, <laughs> you know? It's like, now I'm stuck in this Fair. and it's it's no <laughs> <Yeah>. good. <laughs>
2: that's fair
3: i mean i don't mean to shit on your point because i don't think you're entirely wrong it's just that's just me it's like now i'm stuck here and it's happening in person while i have to be embarrassed for these idiots (laughs) it occurs to me right now Uh, at this moment in time
1: that a lot of bad comedy is references yeah right so if you're seeing a movie that's really bad like a parody movie or really any comedy movie a lot of times they fall back on a reference joke. Yeah. Right. It's like, this is a current thing that is happening or this has happened, right? Like someone might quote, like, Borath and be like, my wife. Right? Exactly. And that's the punchline because it's a reference. I wonder if that's going on in the holiday special and we just don't understand these references. Is that
3: happening yeah. here? Yeah. Can I mean, I, that would assume writing went into this. <laughs> like, thoughtful. I definitely think that, especially in something like this. A, a lot of it was built around like the older people knew Art Carney and they knew some oh, yeah. of the other faces and it's like, For real, you know, exactly. Right. And it's like, we're going to see these celebrities that we know these stars in the past and it'll be fun. It'll be, and now you get to the point where this is what, 50 years old or what or 45 years old. And, uh, uh, nobody, I like Art Carney, but I can't imagine all that many other people in their 30s really give a shit about him. You know, like <laughs> anyone younger than us definitely is well, going to be like, who the fuck is Art Carney? Well, Steve,
1: you're an old soul.
3: I am. Old but you're also an old man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, look, I've been yeah. 75 years old since I was six. And I will admit that. Yeah. But, uh, but still. <laughs> uh.
1: Art Carney. Oh, yes. My father used to take me to go see his show. <laughs> right. He was in a talkie.
3: That's part of the problem. Like a third of my family from either side was involved in some manner in, in uh, vaudeville. And I think that that really left an impression on me.
2: <laughs> I think even a casual viewer picks up that like hit art and be in these scenes. All right. They are just like being so heavily relied on. Right. They have to just carry it. They're doing the best they can. It's not like their performances are terrible it's just like you can tell the writing is flat and there's not much substance to
3: it no i'd agree speaking of would you guys watch golden girls on tatooine because i hear that's their next project
1: yeah (laughs) yeah will pelly be on it absolutely hell yeah
2: (laughs) millions of planets in the universe and the golden girls
1: gotta go to tatooine Whoa. Otherwise, it would just be the Golden Girls if it wasn't on Tatooine. <laughs> right? Tatooine could be
2: like a warm Florida-ish planet. A lot of crazy folks. Words. The
3: equivalent of Rose is going to start dating Watto. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> they're going
1: to, they're going to have a child, and it's going to be the Chosen One.
3: Right. <laughs> oh man.
2: Is B. Arthur a Force user? Is that what we're being shown here? She can successfully kind of turn up the Jedi charisma and get all these fucking
3: aliens out of her shit? She must be.
1: Steve, in the comics, does she got the force or what? What's going on there?
3: You know, that I couldn't tell you.
2: She (laughs) hypnotizes them into walking out the door. It's intense. It's good stuff.
3: Well, you look, if, if I had to sit through more than two or three minutes of that song, I'd leave too. Oh, that's what it is? <laughs> you know, I think yeah. probably. I would have left 30 yeah. seconds in. You know, it's basically a long way of saying you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. And, and it <laughs> goes back to that robot chicken joke
1: that the Cantina Band just knows that one song.
4: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hit it, boys.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Look, Max is all about the charisma, not the musical talent. Max wasn't there for that one. Don't That's blame true. my boy. Right? <laughs> right? No,
1: yeah. Not, I don't want to hold him responsible. He's the superstar. That. He's the Michael Jackson of the Star Wars universe.
3: I'm pretty sure he's like... He is. Yeah. He's one of my favorites. He and Gonk might be my two favorite background characters. Steve. Yes, What sir? about...
2: Man in this scene with
3: cup on head, isn't he <laughs> one of your faves? You know, it's true. I sometimes forget about how dear to my heart man with cup on head is. <laughs> dude, you know what that dude
1: reminds me of? That pours the drink directly into his skull. Oh yeah, that dude who's in love with her. Yeah, yeah. He reminds me of uh, Doctor Moreau when he has the bucket on his head. Oh my god! In the '97 Island of Doctor Moreau yes. with Marlon Brando, <laughs> he just pours ice under under his head, and he was actually just doing that as an actor because it was so fucking hot when yes. they were filming and the director had no control over Marlon Brando and he just did
3: whatever he Dude, wanted no fucking yeah absolutely <laughs> they they couldn't control Brando years before on the set of uh, uh, Apocalypse Now when he was still partly sane at that point he was old and weighed 400 pounds and was like no I'm not doing what you tell me <laughs> alright last uh, point about life on Tatooine
1: is that we get to see a close-up of the Wolfman guy. I do love that guy. So the Wolfman guy was just one of Rick Baker's masks yeah, that he had around, and it was just like a
3: fill-in for a creature to be in the original New Hope. There's so many of those. I mean, it's why I like Gonk, too. He's a 70s-era trash can with legs on him. Right. Like, and you can tell. It's just a walking trash can. <laughs> like, you know, even Devil Dude is one of my favorite characters from the canteen. I can never remember the right name for that species. but yeah. it's, it's, it's like... Um, De- it starts Deborian, with a D. Devorian? Something like that, that yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, it's mostly just red makeup with some lipstick and a little set of horns. There's not a real lot to him, but he's cool looking.
1: So here's the thing, though. This is what interests me, is that the Wolfman guy was all but cut out. Mm. So he is in A New Hope, but he's his insert shot was removed, his close-up.
3: Oh, that's right. He's
1: in the background only now. Yeah. So, like, I guess, you know, they wanted to kind of make it look a little less silly, like, why well, have a Wolfman guy in there, even though that is a canon species now. Yeah. But uh, he is in the forefront in this, as to where in the current incarnation of A New Hope, the one you'll find on Disney Plus, whatever, you know, 26th version that is, uh, he's only in the background.
3: Revision of uh, Greedo versus Han, number 27. McClunky. McClunky. Fucking McClunky. Can I say something kind of. Dorky, I think. If this is a positive point
2: on McClunky, I'm gonna freak out. I'm gonna lose it. No, nothing to do with McClunky. <laughs> I think All right. if I was teaching a film school class, I would show them the cantina scene here and then show them the cantina scene and like the original trilogy proper. And it's kind of mm-hmm. the difference between like a live camera setup that you just, like, pull the shot from wherever the camera is sitting yeah. to, like, a truly cinematic choosing certain lenses, dolly shots. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's certainly a lesson in how to make something not look like film here right. in the holiday special. Like, it looks like live TV, and it looks like film in the OT.
3: No, in fact, I it didn't occur to me you'd be one of the people, Josh, that could actually pick that up and would understand it. The, the, the original director they hired, uh, David Akamba, David, the first director they hired. Most, for the holiday special. Yeah, for the holiday special. Mostly mostly got the job because he and Lucas had gone to film school together at USC. He'd filmed concerts, live concert performances, but he'd never done multi-camera. And <laughs> at, right, after a few weeks of it, he was like, I, I can't get comfortable with this. I'm leaving. You're going to have to hire somebody else. It wasn't even the content. He just had that much difficulty making the multi-camera work. So he left.
2: That's telling that they're using a multi-camera instead of, like, choosing a truly artistic point right. of view per scene.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and especially considering, what, 70, 78. I don't think, I don't think even, may, maybe umatic existed. Maybe Eumatic, but I don't think they really had a video solution. I think they would have had to be shooting on film. So they were, they were willing to run multi-camera on what, three or four hundred foot magazines and all the film you're going to burn doing it. So, yeah. yeah. So,
1: getting back to Kazook and the Baka family. Kazook. Kazook. I can't get over that, dude. Yeah, he's, he's you know, the little alien from the Flintstones. Kazook. Kazook. Fucking A. <laughs> it's the word kazoo with a K on the end. Oh, my God. The writing room error. So Chewie and Han Solo, they finally arrive home. You know, they made it in time for a life day. Um, and what I really like is that Han Solo shows up, kills a stormtrooper, then dips out.
3: Yeah, he's like, <laughs> it's great to see you. You're like my family later. <laughs> I just killed a man. Uh, you guys might need to move. Yeah, yeah, an Imperial agent, by the way. Basically, a, literally a stormtrooper for the... Uh, the uh, empire. So, you know, go ahead and deal with that.
2: Their cover story for that will not hold any water. They're like, oh yeah, he he stole a bunch of food and ran off, and they're gonna find his body down there with
3: no food. Yeah, look, instantly, Cardi gets on the video monitor. He's like, yeah, that guy stole a bunch of food and left. There's <laughs> like. no food. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no wrappers of any kind on this person. <laughs>
4: right.
1: He's like oh right below gosh. the Baca family residence. Like, if they just like look up, if if they, I don't know. Maybe they don't go down there.
3: You know what he should be eating as a nutritious snack is gun jerky. It's my favorite. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Is that what you get at Admiral Akbar snack bar? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Have you ever seen that? It's like advertising all the shit. No, you eat. I've
3: never seen that, but I love it.
1: Yoda's soda. Um, <laughs> oh my <hold> god.
3: C three po's the cereal. Mm. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's fantastic.
0: <laughs> Don't fall into the hunger trap. Come on down to Admiral Ackbar's Snack Bar, where you'll find the most
2: delicious food this side of Alderaan. I mean, Dantooine. We've got all your favorite snacks. Darth Taters, Luke Pie Walkers, R2 Fruit Chews, Stewbacca, Obi Flan
0: Kenobi, Emperor Palfa Beans, Wedge Antilles' aunt's chili, Neonum's chicken
3: drums. (laughs) Fuck me, man. I'd buy some of that. If I know
2: Corey, he likes to make fast and furious memes. That's like one of the top things I know about him. And I think there's one to be had in here where like Han Solo is like, you are like my family. And then you have like Vin Diesel saying it Equally bad acting Family <laughs> That is back to Hans. Hans Solo delivers that line like three times I love you guys as much as Corona I think you guys are like my family
0: <laughs> So terrible He's <laughs> sure grown huh <laughs> I think his voice is changing <laughs> Come on I'm just teasing <laughs> well, well, I gotta go Have a nice life day but be careful A lot of troopers in the area <laughs> You're like
3: family to me. Money will come and go. We know that. But the most important thing in life will always be the people in this room, right here, right now.
4: Salute me, familia.
3: I said the lines, pay me, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best you're going to get. Tell George to shove it up his ass.
1: <laughs> yeah, his true passion is with Indiana Jones, you know, to this very day.
3: <laughs> you know, it's the chase for the crystal skull that gets him up in the morning. <laughs> God, making more of those. I can't stay for one
2: dinner, but you are like my family. Yeah, right? There's no possible way I could stay for tea and meet your son in any significant way. You are like my family.
3: He didn't even use the bounty as an excuse. He was still under job as bounty at that point.
2: Why not just have him walk upstairs and be like, go bunk up, Han? And he's offset. He's out. He's good. He's like, good night's sleep. That'd be much more warm. He's going to stay with them for a couple weeks.
1: That makes sense to my head. This raises a very interesting question. What does Han Solo do when Chewbacca's not around? What is he doing?
3: Spends a lot of time sitting in a a holographic porn chair.
1: You think he's watching the Twi'lek dancers?
3: Yeah, you know, that might be it. Twi'leks really do it for him. Yeah. We gotta
2: be realistic about human sexuality. I think you guys are right. He's either doing that or going off to some prostitute planet. You
3: know, right? (laughs) Lucas does like that. Like in THX 1138. Prostitutes? Well, yeah, THX, the virtual ones, especially THX 1138, Robert Duvall's character uses uses a holographic thing basically to get off. So, yeah. I dig <laughs> it, yeah. Right? It's Lucas's thing. He's like, in the future, people are going to be watching hologram porn in their living room while their grandkids 10 feet away, and it'll be fine. <laughs> There's some story, and I don't know what the truth is, that like the
1: writers that were working on this were told by Lucas that Han Solo is married to a Wookie,
3: but they told him not to mention what that. What the fuck? See, I mean, and it, this <laughs> is the problem. Partly with Lucas, because again, there's there's all these other stories of like these people. You know, the writers have said that Lucas did that, and 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 uh, Hamill says that the the special was Lucas's idea in the first place, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But then you ask Lucas about it, Lucas's attitude is, "I had nothing to do with it." The CBS executives did the whole thing themselves. Nobody at Lucasfilm was involved. I didn't give them any suggestions at all. I hate it. Uh, Anthony Daniels? Three, yeah. In 3PO. Yeah, Anthony Daniels has even claimed that if you ask Lucas about it in an interview and he's in a bad mood, he'll just leave the interview. But but then there's all these other stories on the flip side, like I started saying, that he was the one that came up with the Wookiee Planet idea and he's the one that told Bruce Valance this is the way they had to do it. And it's like, I don't know where the truth is. I wonder if this is like... We've talked about it before. There's that that infamous video of Lucas sitting in a screening room at Skywalker Ranch (laughs) with Rick McCollum and like 12 other people. They're watching the footage of Jar Jar. Everyone else in the room is unhappy. Lucas is the only one in a good mood. And I feel like this is one of those situations. And it's been 40 plus years. And at this point, Lucas just feels like he can claim he didn't like any of it to begin with, even though he was the (laughs) one that did it.
1: (laughs) I don't know. The true revisionist history author himself.
3: Right? Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those
1: things where he's talked about so much, it's hard to tell what's just like gone through time, through telephone game, like something was said and then it was manipulated.
3: Dude, that's another thing, honest to God, and I'll keep it brief, but like, I think you could be really right. Like, even if no one is intentionally skewing their end of the story, the reality is you're talking about something that had happened 40 years ago. These people have all been involved in dozens of other projects since then. It's like playing telephone, you know, and it's like whose memory's really right?
2: It's worse than that. It's like telephone with like office politics. Right. We've all been in an office and like, let's say like a boss tells a med- middle manager or something that they need to then tell employees. Right. That message gets very much tweaked along the oh, way. Oh, absolutely.
3: E- every I, time. My favorite with that game is middle management, even when they completely support it, will always make the horrible, oppressive idea sound like it's something that's being forced on them from above so that they can <laughs> implement it without having to take responsibility for it. You know.
1: I also hate my job.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm sorry they're doing this to you guys, but here's the new policy. <laughs> Like no fuck you. Everyone knows you're on board with this. Just shut up. Bloomberg.
1: Right? Bloomberg ass motherfucker. Uh. So, here's an interesting thing. So, people often use this as a reference. I think it's like one of the highest mentioned things in the IMDb trivia is that George Lucas said that if he had the opportunity, he would find every bootleg copy of this and destroy it with a sledgehammer. Now, I'm sure you know that, Stephen. I'm sure you know that, Josh. Here's the interesting thing. I read an article. They go into this. There is literally no source for that. So he supposedly said it at an Australian convention, but from the time that it became a publicly known thing, he had never appeared publicly at an Australian convention. (laughs) Is this your own research?
3: This is impressive.
1: I love this. And I challenge you guys to find a source for that. Apparently there is none.
3: And there's two variations on it. There's another version of the same story that claims that in mid or late 97, after the special editions hit theaters, that Lucas through Lucasfilm and using lawyers went on a campaign to acquire and destroy every existing copy of the pre special edition OT films so that they wouldn't exist anymore for anyone to watch. And there's a part of me that kind of believes that Lucas would do that, but there's no actual substantiating evidence. Like, maybe it's true, and somebody at Lucasfilm, or who used to work at Lucasfilm, knows that it's true because they were there to see it. But, like, for the rest of us, there's there's no way to actually verify that. I, I believe it, but I don't know that's way really true.
1: And that uh, pre-special edition VHS uh, trilogy of the OT is fairly common and cheap. Like, it's not an uncommon thing to find. There's a version of it that's uncommon, and I yeah. don't remember what the difference is. But, like, I have that original VHS. So yeah. Because like you got it at a yard sale.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah, there are ways to get it, and it, it, it gets, it's really weird. It's the same thing, like, there, some versions of the OT films on Laserdisc are worth 125 bucks a piece for very frivolous reasons. But, yeah, mostly it's not that hard to get them.
1: So we're getting to the end of the movie here. Thank God. <laughs> the Baka family, they begin to celebrate Life Day proper. They they ponder some orbs in Life Day tradition. It, it does remind me of The Phantom Menace, Steve, <laughs> at the very end when Boss Nas holds that giant orb Ooh, above his head oh, and he's yeah. wearing robes and the movie ends. They kind of hold some orbs and wear robes in this movie, and I'm wondering, like... They ponder them. Yeah, they... <laughs> of course they do. I'm wondering though if that's a life day reference.
3: Oh God, maybe. Although I, Lucas Lucas wrote and directed one, and I don't know that he would have personally deep dived for references back to this. So <laughs>
1: he wasn't quite there yet. Yeah, I guess you're right.
3: No, no. I mean, I I wish that he had done what he did with five and six and let somebody else direct those movies, but we weren't so lucky.
1: This movie has a few Return of the King fake-out endings. That's the first one. <laughs> yes. Ugh. And then it switches gears and it goes to the reunion of all our heroes from the original Star Wars. Josh, what did you think about that moment? Good thing this
3: is too early for him to have stuck Hayden Christensen in using CG anyway. <laughs> it was cool for a second,
2: and then it just went to a close-up of Carrie Fisher's face singing for, like, two straight minutes. <laughs> yeah, I know, It's right? not a good song. She's not having fun singing it. She's, like, weirdly really rubbing up against Chu, Baca the whole time, I think too. she's falling
1: over, dude. She is stumbling. She's on something.
2: Dude, she has to hold onto his fur to stand up. Oh, my God.
3: Again, all due respect, RIP. I really do miss her. She was an incredible human being in addition to being a cool actress. But, I mean, she had a monster addiction. I mean, she was the type of person. Monster energy? Yeah, right? I mean, I there are stories, and I can't corroborate any of them are true. But I there are stories out there about her, like like two thirds of two or three separate bottles of pills and a handle of Jack Daniels, and she could still be on set. Like it's crazy. Fuck? Yeah, I mean, she and she's admitted this isn't just speculation. Some of the stories are, are probably exaggerated or fabricated. But if you go through. Her her interviews with her, like where she speaks and her biography and stuff, she does talk about it a little. And she even admitted to some degree that it was it was gigantic. I mean, like, and I, I say it in a sympathetic way, but she she had a powerful substance abuse issue. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if she was doing quite a bit the day that they, they filmed this.
1: Yeah. And I got mad respect for Carrie Fisher in a lot of ways. Right. Not... Only for which she was one of my original childhood crushes. Yeah, but, me too. You know, I also quite like Drop Dead Fred. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> well, I, uh, I'm sorry I brought up that sad Carrie Fisher moment, but no, it's no, no, funny because no. when you when you first said the reunion, I thought you were talking about like there's two minutes of clips from A New Hope they show at the end, <laughs> which might be the best part of this whole entire <laughs> <Yes>. movie. <laughs> it's like a montage of A New Hope really quick. <laughs>
1: It's like remember the superior movie that this is based on. <laughs> How good was that shit? <laughs> Go buy some merchandise. <laughs> man, I wonder if like people were watching this like, man, the next Star Wars sequel is going to be trash. Yeah. Cuz they were probably thinking like it's going to be like this, like this is, you know, right. the transitional piece into the next movie.
3: If Lucas hadn't teamed up With Erwin Kirshner and Lawrence Kasdan, I really do wonder what those two movies would have been like. I'm not necessarily supposing they would have been bad, but uh, I don't know. (laughs) This is my last note in my document, but
2: I think that is maybe the one gift this holiday special truly gave the world. I don't think it's a coincidence that possibly the best Star Wars film came out directly after this. Yeah. He got a chance to get his corniness like, out and see everything that is bad about Star Wars and just focus on the minutiae of the character development. Like, everything we like about Empire is so different from what we see in this. It's striking.
3: Yeah, I, I, I think Corey's there with you. I know some people really prefer Empire. I, I like 5 and 6 equally, especially, I think, if you can slot past the Ewoks just a little bit, and I actually have an argument. The Ewoks aren't really that bad in six, but even still, I, I think regardless of which of the two is your favorite or whether you agree with me in the sense that I, I like them equally, either way, they're they're both clearly more mature, more flushed out movies than four was. That's not the talk shit. Four is a lot of fun, but they're both more grown up movies. They're both a lot more flushed out. You could tell that they were growing in terms of production standard and and yeah, it's, it's a huge leap forward compared to what we get with something like this.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that like Josh said, this was gotten out of the way. I feel bad for anyone though, that saw this and then just didn't see the next movie. Like, you know, (laughs) maybe, maybe maybe a casual, like people that didn't immediately become obsessed with star Wars, but you know, like maybe the dads that took their kids to see it and like, yeah, it's pretty good sci-fi movie. Yeah. Yeah. Just a plumber
2: from Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. Like, oh shit, I'm not checking out this stuff anymore He's like, oh
1: okay It got dumb, sequels are always bad Here's the proof
3: <laughs> Man I was thinking about that the other day after we saw The Godfather There were not that many sequels that really are very good Small number But yeah
1: So this movie ends proper With the Wookiee family Sharing a meal And having a silent prayer To commemorate Life Day Life. Beautiful holiday
3: Yes, beautiful Wookiee holiday On Kazook
1: <laughs> and, You know, after all that We've said about it It's just a beautiful moment, isn't it, Steve? Like, it's really just heart-wrenching And, like, I'm glad that they finally got together And that Chewbacca's home I was worried about
3: that The most satisfying part of that moment Is is knowing that it's probably the end of the holiday special <laughs> And that you're close to being able to turn it off <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yes, absolutely. What if Black <gasps> Chrysanthemum just kicked in the door and slaughtered everyone?
1: That would be fucking epic.
3: That would get interesting. You know, there's, there's <laughs> some other Wookiees I'd much rather be seeing. Yeah. But. Oh, or, oh shit, now I'm blanking on his name. What's the lion, the lion character in Invincible? who just comes in and just slaughters everybody. Yeah, I, I yeah. don't remember his name, yeah, he's cool. <laughs> Yeah, he just comes in and just starts fucking stuff up. He's like, I heard this was a tough planet. Just yeah. kills like 90 Wookiees. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I
1: cannot wait for Invincible season uh, Yeah, two. it's
3: going to be pretty, pretty intense. I
1: think about it once a week, Steve.
3: <laughs> Seriously. I was just thinking about it in the last few days myself. Yeah.
2: Man, I would have loved to see also the Wookiee Jesus character that they're all praying to. Wookiee Jesus! Like, the Wookiee Jesus, like, turns a tree branch into Bontham, Bantham meat or something like that. Like, instead of water to wine.
3: Wookiee Wookie Messiah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it would have to be something like that. You know? He oh. who
2: has sinned casts the first crossbolt. Yeah.
3: I think yeah, that's a or- good one. What are the names of the little things that Job eats out of that that water bowl? <laughs> he just chucks those at people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he casts the first whatever those are called.
1: Ah, uh, Wiki Jesus, man! We need him. We need him to come <laughs> down. Wiki
3: Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, concept is just so funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it- I'm sorry. I don't want to offend anybody. That just very amusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> itchy 316
2: he who has not sinned casts the first crossbolt. Yeah. i just wanted to get a clean line read for that one
4: <laughs> oh. this holiday is yours but we all share with you the hope that this day brings us closer to freedom and to harmony and to peace no matter how different we appear We're all the same in our struggle against the powers of evil and darkness. I hope that this day will always be a day of joy in which we can reconfirm our dedication and our courage, and more than anything else, our love for one another. This is the promise of the tree of life. We celebrate a day of peace, a day of heart.
1: Alright, guys, oh, we're in there already. But are there any final thoughts before we go into
3: ratings, Steve? Yeah, real quick. Uh, Chewbacca's family appeared again in a in something called the Wookiee Storybook from 1979. Thank God. Yeah, let's hope that's their final <laughs> appearance ever. <laughs> um. Uh, what else? There's actually a documentary coming out this year about the holiday special. It's called The Disturbance in the Force. Oh, my God. So I'm going to be interested to see that when it comes We did this episode too soon. Too soon, right? (laughs) Let's see if there's any any information in there we didn't come up with, but that'll be neat. And last one, in 2005, a moderately well-known writer who does a lot of media-related writing named Lawrence Pearson wrote a fictional review of a Platinum Edition DVD release of this as an April Fool's joke.
2: Continuing the tradition.
3: (laughs) April Fool's jokes sure are cruel, aren't they? (laughs) They are. Especially when they make me sit through the <laughs> holiday special. I don't know what you're talking about. I wanted to watch an Ewok movie. So did Josh, for the record. <laughs> yeah. What the what? hell? That's two on th-
2: two against one. What two happened? Out of three, there? we got outvoted.
1: <laughs> Look, you, know. you guys want to start your own side podcast? By all means, I will be a guest. Oh, okay. Wow. Let's throw our Look weight around. Look at this fascist. All right. <laughs> you deserve to be with the Empire. I'm sorry. Look, I've been watching too much Empire. <laughs> holiday special really messed up my brain okay it stirred it up steve pray pray that he doesn't alter the deal
3: further yeah okay? <laughs> i thought we were going to watch we arranged to watch an ewok movie <laughs> i'm modifying the arrangement pray <laughs> that i don't modify it
1: again if oh. you guys want to do an ewok movie let's do one next week
3: all right doing we'll do an ewok movie all right every week (laughs) every week all media must include an Ewok (laughs) (laughs) minute by minute run through
1: (laughs) have you guys ever heard of those podcasts that just they discuss one movie every time oh god
3: usually minute
1: by minute typically right
2: (laughs) I don't know (laughs) how they do it
3: but like didn't you tell me there's one where they just have been doing Terminator 2 over and over uh, I
1: know, I'm pretty sure there's one where they do face-off every time. Oh, there you go. Oh, but God, that's what it is. Maybe there's a Terminator 2 one. I forget. It's been a long time. There's
2: one with the McElroy brothers where they record every year on Thanksgiving. Uh, <laughs> the mall cop Paul Blart. It's called Till Death Do Us Blart.
3: God, why would you want to watch that yearly? <laughs> Once a year. There's seven episodes in. <laughs> oh, God. That is painful. Yeah. Kevin James should be banned. From what? Everything. (laughs) (laughs) From what? Any form of media. (laughs) All right.
1: Josh, any additional final thoughts? I got to say my thing about
2: Empire coming right after this. Like, most terrible Star Wars product followed by the best, in my opinion.
1: It's my favorite, too, Empire. I love it. All right, let's get into ratings. Ratings. Josh, on any rating scale you want, how are you going to rate the Star Wars holiday special?
2: (laughs) I I guess I'll give this two itchy bacas out of ten itchy bacas. It was gonna be a one itchy, but I think talking with you guys, like it is fun to get into the minutia of Star Wars. And the fact that it's like a piece of history that we can only see with WHIO Dayton, Ohio baked in at certain points, (laughs) it truly feels like you're watching history when you see this on YouTube, which is like the only place to see it really, I think. So uh, it's bad. It's poorly thought out. You can tell it's one of those just projects that got strung along. We've, We've like really picked that apart. So I... This was just also a really fun pod, Corey and Steve. So, thanks for having me. That was a lot of laughs against the holiday special. So, uh, I'll call it a win. Two Itchy
1: bacas. Beautiful. Thank you, Josh. I am going to give this 1.5 ripped bantha plushies out of 10. (laughs) I think that this movie if you're gonna call it a movie is just a huge piece of dog shit that (laughs) is almost without any redeeming quality with the exception of the comedy it offers but that comedy quickly turns into pain because it stops being funny after a certain point you're watching nine minutes of wookies grunt at each other and you're like this is funny dude like why are they doing this who thought of this how did it happen And eventually Jefferson Starship's playing, and you're like, good God, what am I watching? (laughs) Ends with grunts. And like, why am I watching this? And how did this happen? The fact that it exists is fucking wild. Mm. Disney would never allow something like this to happen. No, and no one will take responsibility for it now. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's pointing the finger at each other. It's just hard to sit through. It's fucking chaos, man. It's almost... The Room, but The Room is consistently funny.
3: <laughs> Unintentionally, but yeah.
1: Like, this is, like, funny until it it's not. And I I got to give it a little bit of a rating for it, but it is, for me, the worst Star Wars thing oh, easily. that exists. Um, I guess I haven't seen or read every Star Wars thing, but of the movies I've seen, which are many, this one's at the bottom, sir. Oh, Steve, yeah. what do you got?
3: Yeah, I'm going to start mine by reiterating what you just said, which is of all of the Star Wars things, this is easily at the bottom of the list and not by a small margin. Like there is a an abyss, a chasm, a seemingly bottomless chasm between where I where this is and where my next least favorite Star Wars thing is. Like I despise <laughs> large parts of episode 1 and there's still none of it that I dislike to the level that I dislike this. This is a hateful unoriginal hateful just totally and entirely (laughs) ridiculous money grab that is devoid of really anything redeeming I I, I, aside from that I sort of like the animated bit a little bit Uh, ratings wise I, I, I hard to believe I'm the least generous here but it has to happen eventually I've said it before, I'll say it again. I will give pretty much anything a 1 just for having gotten it completely made, because I appreciate how much effort it takes even to make a bad thing. But I'm going to give this a 1, and I'm going to give it 1 Lumpy baka's out of 10, because Lumpy just seems like the right way to fucking rate this thing. This (laughs) strange-looking, frightening, off-putting, Wookiee costume that's name is Lumpy this seems very fitting for this. You're not even going to give this a zero? I can't give anything a zero just because I recognize that it took effort to produce even this. Yeah, it exists. Right exactly. <laughs> that's the thing. I'll give them a one for existing. <laughs> this is this is really the equivalent of coitus as far as like like <laughs> media goes. Like they actually bothered to have the sex and conceive the thing, but that's really the only effort that went into it. <laughs> it is it is really an unpleasant, boring, miserable experience. That it shouldn't surprise anyone that, that years have been spent trying to avoid it, even discussing it, where people refuse to accept any degree of responsibility for the fact that it exists in the first place. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I didn't think it was might not otherwise think it would be possible for me to dislike anything Star Wars related more than Jar Jar. But here we are. And I just want to say, Steve. Some people that
1: might even be listening to this Do like Jar Jar Now, I know you hate Jar Jar There's no
3: such thing These people do not exist I Uh, refuse it Alright, don't write in, please (laughs) Anyway Uh, My brain can't handle it I don't need to know It's like them and Flat Earthers I just don't need to know that you're real Perfect comparison (laughs) 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 It's fine. I can't take your opinions away from you, but I do not want to hear about them.
1: This has been a very fun podcast. I'm glad we got to do this. Josh, I want you to give a shout-out to the podcast that you're also on. Spoilers podcast. I'm there. You're there. Everyone that is on that podcast regularly has appeared on Big Dumb Movie, but just in case this is someone's first listen, maybe you can give a shout out and tell people what it's all about.
2: Yeah, if you don't know about Spoilers Podcast, that Pappy reference earlier was probably a little cryptic. It's a movie podcast, and we have a lot of fun over there. Spoilers! Exclamation point! Podcast. You should, if you like this podcast at all, I think you'll like us as well. Obviously, Corey's over there, and I think we definitely hope to have Steve on at some point, but he's a hard guy to track down. Pappy has a vendetta
1: against me. (laughs) That's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Steve's got to make an evening during the week available so we can do a spoilers episode.
3: I do. Yeah, (laughs) I do. In fact, I might want to push for Ridley Scott's legend. Just have something else to argue with him about.
1: Also, I want to say one other thing. If someone is listening this long and you're a hardcore Star Wars fan and you're confident in your debate skills and your ability to talk on a podcast, I want someone to debate Steve. (laughs) So I'm issuing an open debate. If you feel like you're confident, uh, you can message me and we'll talk about it and see if you're qualified. But I want to do another debate, the Great Movie Debate Part 2 about Star Wars. I wanna do prequels versus sequels, which one is better, and Steve is gonna be arguing for the sequels. I just need to find someone that he can debate with that will argue the prequels intelligently and will have a civilized debate like we did on the Blade Runner episode. You're
3: arguing that the prequels are... Better than the sequels. That is the argument you're going to have to try to make.
1: Yep. Against Steve.
2: Only a Wookiee Jesus could pull off an argument like this.
3: The Wookiee Messiah himself. (laughs) God, can you imagine what communion must be like for them? The wafers are hairy. (laughs) The wine's got to be terrible.
2: Gross looking, for sure. (laughs) They wouldn't show that part to a human audience.
3: Oh, God, yeah.
2: Disturbing. What religion, though, are they where it's cool to just jack off to VR in the living room
3: in front of your grandchild? I my God. What what would you even call their religion? Wookieism? Wookieism? (laughs) It's just like humanism? Yeah, exactly. There's secular Wookieists. It's Wookieanity. Wookieanity. Oh, Oh, man. All right, guys. Thank
1: you very much. If you, the listeners, want to write in, you can email us at bigdumbmovie at gmail.com. Or even more preferably, you can DM me on Instagram. Our Instagram is Big Dumb Movie Podcast. Let me know if you want to be the participant in that debate. There are some rules that will apply, so I can't just let anyone in. Give us a positive rating and written review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating on Spotify. Do all that stuff. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube. So if you're a super fan, you'll do all of these things. Um, it really helps us out. We don't ask for your money. We just ask for your positive ratings. That's about it. It's been a fun episode. I want to thank you guys again. Josh, I appreciate you being here, coming from spoilers all the way in Indiana. You made the flight to California. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Steve, thank you for making the trip from the valley. The traffic's got to be a bitch. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. We love you. Good night.
4: Good night.
3: I guess it's not much of a rumor, apparently it's pretty well substantiated, that the original script for Batman Forever was way darker, and that Schumacher actually originally shot something that was almost one-for-one from that script, and the studio decided they didn't like it during screen tests and had big portions of it reshot, (laughs) which is how we ended up with the mess we ended up with, but apparently there was a complete version... Shot by Schumacher, based on this original script with um, Marlon Waynes or no Marlon Wayans. I don't think Waynes was was in it, but I think there was like a sequence where Bruce has nightmares about being a human bat, and that they actually did a guy in in makeup and shot the sequence. And
1: uh, I think I've seen that image.
3: Yeah, that's the, there is an image of that specifically that's floating around. And has floated around in the past, so now people are saying that the complete edit of this version of the movie, which they apparently showed to a test audience, like is in a vault. Like the studio still has it, and people are now getting getting an- an- like, anxious. I don't know how to say excited. Like pe- I, the, the studio hasn't actually said anything, but people are like, "We want it," and it's it, the thing. It's picking up steam now, so.
1: So that people have realized they can get whatever they want out of Warner Brothers if they, <laughs> if they tweet hard enough.
3: Right. So it'll be interesting to see if anything materializes, you know. I mean, Warner could claim that at this point they don't have it anymore. The fact that a complete cut edit existed at one point does, doesn't mean... And that movie came out, what, 95? 6?
1: 95.
3: 95. That movie's... 27 years old like and this would have been a, a, a pre-release test screening they cut together probably during 94 so like they may or may just the fact that they cut it together at one point doesn't mean it still exists now like wouldn't would there be like gaps that needed to be filled in like
1: would, would, is there a complete movie there could there possibly be because i know i know like zack snyder's justice league like right. a very small amount of what we saw in the movie, Zack Snyder's Justice League was filmed before the reshoot. Yeah. Right. The, it was
3: incomplete. The rumor is there was a complete cut and that a test, at least one test audience saw it. That's the rumor. I, though, I cannot – I don't have the means to actually substantiate whether or not that's true. You got connections though, Steve. I can ask around a little bit and see if I, anybody I know has a way of asking like you know, somebody I know might know somebody like it Warner that could look it up or something. I don't know. Nobody I know is going to know directly, but they may have some means of looking. <laughs> Um, I know someone who works as an associate producer for Universal. He doesn't work in the Marvel division, but he knows a handful of people that that do, so I'm sure he hears stuff in advance.
1: So Universal Studios, so their Marvel division, you mean like the Hulk?
3: Yeah. Because they did the
1: Hulk movie, right?
3: Yeah, and don't... Oh, I guess Fox owns... Yeah, so it's kind of tenuous at this point. You're right. For a moment there, I forgot how little active connection there is between them. So yeah...
1: They have the theme park rights to
3: Marvel. That's that's what confuses me sometimes. Yeah. It's like, and then I think about it, and I'm like, no, wait, they don't actually own the movie rights. It's just that theme park deal. <laughs> yeah, well, they have. I think they are holding
1: on to the Hulk movie rights. I think right. Um, but the theme park deal is interesting because, like, I remember going to Universal Studios Hollywood like ten. 12 years ago, and seeing like Marvel merch, yeah, which at the time, 10, right. 12 years ago, was a very uncommon thing to see. Yeah. I, you know, like Marvel shirts, like Venom shirts, and I was like, this is badass. Like, a place where you can get Marvel shirts, they right? crazy overpriced, but they're oh, still yeah. there. And then I went to Universal Studios Florida within the last few years, and I realized what the Marvel connection is, because it's basically non-existent at Universal Studios Hollywood. Right. They have a whole Marvel section, at Universal Studios Florida. in Florida, right? It's like Marvel themed everything, and it's very '90s comic booky, and it's <sighs> fucking cool, dude. And that Spider Man ride they have, Man. which is basically like the equivalent of the Transformers ride we have here, where it's like a 4D ride kind of thing. That Spider Man ride is dope, dude. It's like '90s animated series Spider Man, just fun, and I, you get all the villains. It's great.
3: I I actually do want to go to that park. I really do. Like I. I... Problem for me is, I'd I'd go down there and I'd spend a day in the park, and that would be fun for me. But then I'd be in Florida. (laughs) Then you'd be Florida Man. Right? God, no. Just kill me. If I ever turn into Florida Man, please just shotgun me right in the face. Florida Man
1: has sex with Alligator to get back at (laughs) ex-girlfriend. It's just a picture of Steve, like a... A very early, like, 7 a.m., like, smug shot, right? like, looking as bad as possible. Maybe cross-eyed. Uh,
3: yes, absolutely. Oh, my God. I don't know. I don't like gator meat either. Too too uh, rubbery for me.
1: You've eaten alligators?
3: I have tried gator. Once. Well, twice. Twice I've tried gator. Why did you do that, Steve? First time out of curiosity, and the second time because my brother was trying to convince me it was better than I thought it was, and I disagreed with him.
1: <laughs> you had to have been in Florida for that,
3: right? No, both of those times were actually... Well, okay, there might have been a third time when I was in New Orleans with my parents. But the two occasions I'm thinking of were actually both here. In fact, in Simi Valley? Well, yeah, in Simi Valley, absolutely. <laughs> All right. All right. So, i I am genuinely... Pleased by and large that the Marvel Universe has become popular enough cinematically that they're reaching into the the farther regions of the, of the Marvel pantheon. Like they they started doing it years ago already when they when they started with Guardians of the Galaxy. Those characters did not have a big presence in modern modern consciousness before the MCU movies started coming. Like they not they had, at all. Right, they had at one point, but I think they hadn't been popular since like the early eighties, something like that. And I'm not even sure when the last time prior to the movie they'd even published a Guardians comic. I mean, that was um,
1: never as big a book as the predecessors. Right. Like, that was never a Captain America yeah, Exactly. Actor.
3: You know, it was always like a somewhat popular tier B comic that hadn't been around in years. So, like, I'm glad that Marvel is doing more than—now we're getting Moon Knight and we're getting Mo- Morbius. And
1: Oh, so you're glad about Morbius? Well,
3: see, that's that's mm. the catch. Like they're, I'm, I'm glad that they're expanding to the point where these characters are appearing, but it, it's also kind of like I think they've reached that zenith where it's just like let's start picking characters and making content, whatever stick sticks, sticks because we'll make money on all of it. <laughs> like I'm not saying it's that a very they very cynical perspective, Steve. Well, I'm not saying that none of them care, and like Favreau, I think is one of the standouts that clearly does that guy. Holy shit, what a weird story. And I like Favreau, but that dude was playing, like, the the buddy role in semi-independent movies for 15 years during the 90s. He was Vince Vaughn's buddy in Swingers. And, like, then all of the sudden, he's resurrecting Star Wars. He's in
1: high school movies from the
3: 2000s, I think. Yeah, exactly. Wasn't he in, like... He was in a PCU. He was the, the, the one with the dreads who went for the beer and then ended up on George Clinton's bus. That's right. That's okay. So
1: not, <laughs> not 2000s movies, 90s movies. 90s movies. Not quite <laughs> that young, but yes.
3: But yeah. I mean, and then, you know, and he did a couple other movies with Vince Vaughn. One, one semi indie one he did with Vaughn where he was an, uh, an unlicensed boxer for the mob. Um, you know, and then all of a sudden he's resurrecting Star Wars and directing Iron Man movies. It's Do you like, remember when shit. he was Foggy
1: Nelson in Daredevil? <laughs> yes,
3: yes. And I hated that version of Daredevil. <laughs> um, actually, I don't really like any of the versions of Daredevil they've done for for the screen myself. But I get in arguments about them because apparently some people really love the Daredevil TV show. So I'm one of them. Yeah. So there you go. I, I maybe I'm just the idiot in that situation. But uh, yeah. So anyway, it's it's cool that so many new characters are coming around, but at the same time. Number one, the quality of some of these adaptations is kind of dubious, like Morbius. Number two, they're ignoring... That's what they should call the movie, dubious. Dubious, right? <laughs> Number two, they're ignoring all these other characters. Your comment about Gambit is what made me think of it, really, is like, where's a decent Gambit? Even, I mean, none of none of the X-Men movies have been that great. But, like, uh, there's been no decent Gambit, even in the X-Men movies, let alone anywhere else. It's taking forever to get this fucking Blade movie. I want to know where that is already. And it goddamn well better be good. I trust it's going to be. I like Marshallah Ali, but it, it better be good. It better be fucking good, Corey. Um well, he
1: will be good no matter what. That dude yeah. is, in my mind, he's almost like too good for the MCU. That's yeah. He's like such an amazing actor that like being in the MCU is like a, a stepping down for him. Isn't he like an Oscar winner? Yes. Like have you seen Moonlight? <laughs>
3: Yes, yeah, that moon Moonlight, brilliant. but moonlight. Moonlight, yeah. Yeah, that moonlight movie's brilliant. is the prequel, <laughs> right? God. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's it, so I honestly though that's kind of what kind of what I want. I don't know. I would love to see a few MCU movies that were just like collectively made by that type of people. Like I want to see I want to see Daniel D. Lewis play an, uh, an X-Men villain. Mr. Sinister. Daniel D. Lewis is Mr. Sinister. No, I'm joking, but but still, I want to see him do something.
1: Well, here's here's actually an interesting take on that, Steve. We've never seen Mr. Sinister.
3: Well, sort of. There was that, that, what was it, John Hamm? Weird Mr. Sinister thing. In, um, in what movie? Which one was that in? Hold on. Hold on, if you or, it's not John Ham, Mister
1: Sinister, you're thinking of like that Generation X TV show from like 1996. It
3: wasn't really Mister Sinister. It was supposed to sort of be kind of like how in X3 that dude with the things he shot out of his forearms was supposed to be Omega Red. That dude was supposed to be Omega Red. That's what I heard at the time. Yeah,
1: <laughs> he's nothing like Omega Red though. <laughs> right? He's like that
3: guy Spike
1: from that cartoon that wasn't even in the comics.
3: This <laughs> true. Okay, yeah. Okay, John Ham, Mister Sinister, actually comes up in Google, but what? Okay, maybe I'm misremembering. John was Hamm, cast, maybe. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I think I am misremembering that they cast him and then ended up never using him.
1: Okay, so but there's I, a Mister Sinister um, I, tease at the end of X Men Apocalypse. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah,
3: because I swear to God, there is a moment where a sort of Mister Sinister dude is on screen for like ten seconds. There's
1: no one on screen, but it shows like a lab and it shows like the boxes and it says like. Um, Says Mr. Sinister's real name oh. was like a, what's his
3: name, Nathan um Yeah, whatever it is. Here there was a rumor at one point that Brian Cranston was gonna play him in New Mutants. John Hamm almost played Mr. Sinister in New Mutants and then ended up not being in it.
1: Nathaniel Essex.
3: There you go, yeah. I was
1: thinking of Nathan Sussex, which is like an actor or something.
3: Yeah, that name sounds like another X Men.
1: That's an actor. It's a guy called Nathan Sussex.
3: Okay, there you go. <laughs> Nathaniel Essex. What's Mr. Britton's, Captain Britain's real name? I can't remember that anymore. Fucking. So Where's he been? There's another one. None of the, okay, um, here's another one. Here's another one. I'm going to rant about this for a minute until somebody shuts me up. Um, In Deadpool 2, there was a minute where it was like, we're going to have, what is that? The X Factor team with, with, wow, what is his name? Wildstar. I love that dude. He's got the thing on his head. All Wild the, Side? Yeah, maybe it was Wild Side. They were all Rob Lowe creations, I think. And I know... Rob Lowe? Uh, no, not Rob Lowe. Um, what's his name? <laughs> Damn, See, we I'm, are I'm fucking doing, up today. Right? Yeah, I'm all over the place. <laughs> Jeff Lowe? What, what's yeah, his name? Yeah, I think it's Jeff Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all over the place, dude. I
1: can't... I think it's Wild Side. This guy, right?
3: Okay, that is a guy, but he's not the one I'm thinking of. What was the name of that other group? And and in Deadpool 2 they sort of introduced the characters, but they were like spoof versions of the characters, and then they all got killed immediately. The one dude has the two swords and he's got a thing on his head. X Factor, Deadpool.
1: That's what they're talking about.
3: Yeah, and when in mean,
1: uh X Force.
3: Is X force yeah. So what's that dude's name? Um My point was, ultimately, uh, apparently a bunch of people, like, way don't like those characters, but um, I was super excited that 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 team was going to be introduced to that universe, and then they were like, actually, no. (laughs) They're just going to kill them, like, the moment you first see them.
1: Well, at the time the Deadpool movies came out, that was a self-contained universe.
3: That's true. That is true. So there's really
1: no expansion, so they might as well just have them and be a gag. I mean, anything goes in the Deadpool movies.
3: It's true. It is kind of its own.
1: Are, are you thinking of Rob Liefeld who made these, or are you thinking of maybe it is Liefeld? Jeff I'm Lowe. Of, it, it definitely these,
3: one of the two of
1: them. I just Google <laughs> searched X Force '90s, and this is the most Rob Liefeld thing I've ever seen in my life. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
3: Absolutely.
1: The it way could've... Cable is drawn is like <laughs> right. It's like, it's fucking laughable. It's funny too because when when you hear people argue online myself. about Rob Liefeld, the argument on his side is that well, he Rob Liefeld actually looks like the characters he draws because he's kind of a strange looking dude.
3: He's a little bit weird looking dude. But, but
1: I don't really think that's a good reason to draw things that look weird, like just because you kind of look weird.
3: <laughs> I was thinking of this version of Shadow Star with the red costume and the sword on one arm. Wow. I think yeah. I had a card of that dude back
1: in the day, but I don't think I remember seeing him pop up in anything.
3: Yeah, and see, like, Shatterstar, by name at least, is in Deadpool pool too, but he was just an Asian dude, and he didn't do very much, and then was dead, so. <laughs> <laughs> so much for your deep-cut 90s references. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, then don't put him in the movie. Omega Red's another one. I, I know I've met, we've talked about her several times the last few weeks, but Jubilee... Jubilee sort of appears in the X-Men movies a couple of times. There's I think it's the very first one where Xavier's got a group of the kids at a museum exhibit. That's and, the second one. Second one and there's a girl walking around in the yellow raincoat or trench coat.
1: I'm I'm pretty sure she but, was in the most recent one, the one that takes place in the 90s.
3: Oh really? Yeah, which oh, was uh, maybe Dark Phoenix. Don't okay. Maybe yeah, she might cuz they don't use her a lot and then look Olivia Munn's hot, no argument. But that version of Psylocke, she can't act for shit, dude. I mean, not that it calls for a lot, but goddamn.
1: <laughs> like, what is this like the 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 Shakespearean role of Psylocke? You have to be a uh, you have to dude, be a top tier yes uh,
3: tra- uh, English trained actor. Well, like okay, that's another point that I'm actually gonna tie in because sort of mm-hmm. um, Kenneth Branagh, who did the first Thor is really mostly famous for his Shakespearean adaptations. He did one of Richard III, I think Henry IV, and he definitely did Hamlet. He did a version of Hamlet on 70mm. It's almost four hours long. It's the most complete version of Hamlet that's ever been put on film. It's my favorite version on film. It's a beautiful movie. And when he took over on Thor, I was like, yes, we're going to get we're going to get a bunch of, like, thespian-level level actors, and this is going to be, like, comic books done, like, from from the standpoint of professional acting. And then he was like, nah, I'm just going to have fun. We're going to cast, cast this Hemsworth dude, and we'll see what happens. Not that it was bad. But This it is a guy that
1: also made the Frankenstein movie. So, like, he doesn't always <sighs> yeah. have... Like, Robert De Niro's acting in that movie is, like, iffy at times. So, like, he doesn't always get the most top tier performances out of the people he's working with no, but it also that, depends what he wants i think sometimes yeah he wants it a little goofiness in that frankenstein movie here and there to make it accessible to 12 year olds like i was right
3: and i think you're right and i think that i think you're exactly right and i think that's what he was doing with thor and it's not that thor was bad i'm not saying it was bad it just wasn't quite what i was hoping for and then then i found out they cast anthony hopkins in it and i'm like oh my god Kenneth Branagh and Anthony Hawkins. Like, this is going to be the most serious comic book film that's ever been made. And the mom is a good actress, too. What's her name?
1: Oh, yeah. What is her name? Um, Well, oh, whatever. She's dead. Right? Well, the character's
4: dead.